Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lloyd. Today on the show, I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry. Fun show planned for you today as we get set for Independence Day tomorrow. Of course, no show tomorrow. So today we'll recap the weekend in sports, another dominant weekend for the Atlanta Braves. Very productive as the Braves able to sweep the Miami Marlins, furthering their lead in the National League's Eastern Division. We'll also talk a little bit about it. It's Auburn Takeover Day on the SEC Network, so we'll talk about some of the items that they are showing on the SEC Network and, and some of the additions that we would have had if we had done maybe a different year or or that sort of thing. So we'll talk a little bit about all the programming going on with that. We'll have a best and worst of the weekend towards the end of the show, as always. And, of course, your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine birthdays and sports nightly TV guide today as well. And again, Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday. We'll start with you, Brant. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was pretty good. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching that Atlanta Braves team. Uh, we we talked about how the Marlins are having their best year in a very long time. The last two times they've done, had a season this good, they ended up going through and winning the World Series. They're a very good team, and the Braves just kind of took them back behind the barn and beat them with a stick. Uh, that was a, an incredible series. Like I don't think anybody expected a sweep. I, I was hoping for two out of three uh, and figured that the Braves could make it, but uh, the, the fact that they ended up sweeping the team and, and now they have a nine-game lead on the rest of the division and we finally have a, a calculable magic number uh, is pretty incredible. And I think that's probably my main takeaway from the weekend. But, uh, you know, two more series before the All-Star break. The Braves are probably going to be uh, our, our main focus for most of the summer because of how dead gum good they are. And uh, that's that made for a pretty good weekend. Absolutely it did. Tom Peavy, how was your weekend, sir? Uh, weekend was great. Just uh Filled with uh, a lot of work, but yeah, following the Braves, just an incredible run that they're on. Uh, an incredible month of June. I, I don't, I don't know that I've, uh, I, I, I've never obviously seen the Braves have a month like they did here in June. Uh, I don't think there's many baseball teams that can say that they have had a month like the Braves had in June. Uh, and, and so it's been incredible watch. It's also been incredible watch the the downfall of some of the other teams and. Uh, there's a graphic that I saw about the New York Mets going into the month of June. They were three games behind the Braves going into June. Going into July, they're 18 behind the Braves. Anyway, so you talk about an absolute plummet. I mean, the Mets, they didn't win a series all month until last night. They, they beat the Giants to win their first series of the entire month. So while the Braves are hot, some others around them are not. But uh, it's been good. And then... Uh, some announcements about Big Cat Weekend, um, which are coming up. I know there's a five-star linebacker that announced he's going to be here for Big Cat. 
So uh, the recruiting train is still going. No big news as far as uh, commitments or anything, but, I mean, there's guys coming to visit, and that's always the way you start things. Yeah, absolutely. Got to get them on your campus to then eventually get them to commit. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get going today. Again, uh, a little bit later we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, it's Auburn Programming Day on the SEC Network. They still do the team takeovers uh, as uh, as they go through the summer, and so we'll talk a little bit about that programming. Heard heard JJ earlier today. So I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. I was like, how did the weekend go? I was like, hey, the weekend was great, but I woke up today to the voice of JJ Jackson. I was like, <laughs> and, and, and what's going on right now? Like, I, I don't know that I'm comfortable waking up in my bed and I hear the voice of JJ Jackson it's like okay wait a minute now (laughs) (laughs) they had uh, the Auburn LSU game or one of the Auburn LSU games uh, from the spring and uh, I think that was one of the ones that was on the plus so JJ was uh, was calling that one and that was the uh, one of the baseball games they selected they try and do all different sports on uh, and they've been doing the most recent year too. I think when they first started to do the takeover, they were doing stuff from all sorts of years and that sort of thing. But they try to keep it to like the last calendar year. So uh, yeah, JJ got on, uh, got on with that one. Let's go ahead and open up the show today. Let's go ahead and get to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, Brent, what's the report on Tom today? Tom, uh, he hasn't had a lot of time to cause a lot of trouble, but so far he's been good. Okay. Tom, uh, I'll, I'll believe... I'll believe uh, Brent, okay. Hey, hey, please do, but also understand we got three hours for me to lose my mind in here, so. Well, you can't do that now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll charge you. Hey, I, I got a question for all three of you guys. Um, I was working on my computer, um, I think yesterday and stuff for that, but uh, I saw that there's a running back that uh, has Auburn in the top five, and. I want to know what you get comments on that, and then what do you guys think about the new pitching coach at Auburn got? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a guy who puts Auburn in his top five, obviously that's when you kind of start paying attention to him. Uh, I, I don't know if Auburn's going to get him or not, but they have a better chance than every other school that's not in his top five, right? So it's a big deal to be in in the running for guys like that. Uh, new pitching coach uh, Everett Tiford, um, a guy who has never been a pitching coach but has been a pitching coordinator uh, for an entire organization he's been with the White Sox for the past six years um, so he, he's got some experience at the major league level he pitched himself uh, as a former college pitcher he spent some time at Georgia Southern uh, apparently Butch Thompson is really high on this guy and has been for some time so uh, coming in uh, Butch Thompson likes him so I like him uh, time will tell how good he ends up being so hey, um, <clears throat> Ryan and Todd what do you guys think yeah, I think uh, so. I saw one of the the players. I don't know if you're referring to this or not. He's a, a five star safety that's actually going to be committing in a month, and Auburn's in uh, the top five for him. It's Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Ohio State, and Georgia, and he'll be committing in a month. His name is KJ Bolden. So I know that Auburn's going to be kind of in the top five for a, a lot of different players and trying to get some of these these high profile guys. And and same thing with the new pitching coach, obviously. Uh, was pretty recently in Major League Baseball as a relief pitcher, had been in the Chicago White Sox organization 
and kind of developmental role there. So we know Butch Thompson's liked guys with major league experience for sure. And uh, I don't think uh, he's going to kind of change up that formula. We've seen different guys uh, in, a, in a lot of different positions come from the major leagues at some point. And so I think he's kind of sticking to it there. Well, um, <clears throat> Brian, I'm going to ask you, did you, ever, did you ever get my email? I sent you guys. Yes, uh, we, we did get uh, one of your emails, yes. Okay, and I don't quite understand this. I asked you before I kind of played for you guys. Do you guys just know if I could play with you guys next year or not? And then James gets on and says, they'll play third. Now, I don't quite understand. You're going to let him play probably next year. But you don't know about me or not. And I no, we, uh, we, Matt, we did not uh, say that he was playing. We just asked him what position he normally played when he did play. We did not say that he was on the team. We'll have uh, to figure uh, it. We'll have to figure uh, everything out in 2024. Well, I could, like I said, I can play pitcher. I could play, I can play like a, you wrote, wrote in an email. I could like play right field, right center, left field. I played, when I played special mix, I played, I played behind third. And I played a little uh, right center, left center. Um, I did pitching um, and so so. But uh, I could probably learn some pointers from JJ and um, and so so. But uh, yeah, like in um, Brent, I know you told me that uh, when you get a little bit closer to football, how the season go? Uh, it came real close. And we're, um, you know, Matt, we're we're still several months out from football season. I obviously not everything's finished yet, uh, but I, I feel pretty confident in my prediction of uh, somewhere around seven and five. I don't I don't think they're going to do better than eight and four. I don't think they're going to do any worse than six and six. So I'm I'm gonna uh, unless something drastic changes, and I, I think we're done with the the dr- most drastic of changes. Uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction of seven and five. I, how do you think for with I? But, uh, Tom, I start with you first. Okay. So, with like the, I know probably we're going to get more commitments for basketball, but you think that Auburn could probably? Uh, I heard you guys talk about probably uh, Auburn can make the final four next year, and um, how do you think that would probably help? And what do you guys think about us playing against Virginia Tech? And the uh, the challenge. Yeah. All right. So, um, well, let's see. First, the whole Virginia Tech thing. I, I think they could have picked a better selection for Auburn on that. Uh, I I would have really liked to have seen Virginia come here, and not Virginia Tech. Uh, so, you know, we had that. We talked about it on the show. Uh, we we don't like it. We don't like the decision they made. So there's that. Uh, Auburn making the Final Four. I don't know. They they've got some guys that have got to prove themselves. I think Auburn's going to be good. I don't know that they're going to be Final Four good. I mean, they'll be in the tournament, but uh, I mean, it's hard. Even when you're one of the best teams, <clears throat> even when you're, when you're one of the best teams in the country, it's difficult to make the Final Four. And Auburn's not going to be one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they're going to be good. But it, it's going to be an awful, awful stretch for them to make a Final Four run this year. Uh, recruit, recruiting-wise, I mean, they're bringing in a big-time point guard. 
uh, and he should help immediately. Uh, they've got the transfers that are coming in that should help immediately. You're hearing some great things about some of those guys. When you look future down the road, they've got some uh, guys already committed to, that are coming here, and they're recruiting their tails off. So, uh, well, I don't know about a Final Four this year. I mean, if they keep recruiting at a high level, it could happen again soon, but I, I'm just not sure it's going to be this season. Well, I agree with you. I don't like the decision that we're playing Virginia, Virginia Tech, and uh, I would have gone with the Virginia uh, playing Virginia because when we play Virginia in that um, – Final four, we lost when that player double dribbled and crossed over a line, and a referee didn't um, call it, and then we fouled him. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the against Virginia in the final four, yeah. So we so the player that double dribbled and shot the uh, after we fouled him. What? Uh, where is he playing at now? Do you know? Uh, so I know Kyle Guy, who hit the free throws, has kind of been bouncing around the NBA, and uh, has I don't know if he's on a, a roster yet because they're they're doing free agency right now. Ty Jerome, uh, the guard, who I believe he was the one that uh, that uh, double dribbled. Ty Jerome just signed, I think, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, so he's still playing in the NBA. So what? What? Where did the, the player from Tennessee, the one that I didn't like at all for Tennessee, the one that always, but I think they were twenty-five or thirty-five. I can't think. His last name is hard for Tennessee. Which which year? Which team was he on for Tennessee this year? Oh, no, like where's he? In, what team is he playing for NBA now? I know he got drafted in NBA. I, like, I I don't know which Tennessee team or player you're referring to. It was the one from. I think like uh, last year when we played them. Um, do you uh, mean uh, do you mean Euros Plavic, Plavic? I can't remember. Plavic. Plavic. Yeah. 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 No, he was still on Tennessee this year, and he uh, he's not yeah. going to the NBA. Okay. And um, and um, Ryan and Brent, what do you guys think about Wendell joint um signing with the in the D League with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers? I think it's a great opportunity for Wendell. I think anytime a, a guy of of his caliber gets an opportunity with an NBA team, he's got a chance to make some noise. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to make the NBA. I don't know if he'll ever, you know, play a minute in, in the big time NBA. Uh, but he's got a chance to make a summer league team, and if you can make the summer league, you can make a G League team. Uh, you can start a professional basketball career, even if you're not playing for one of the 30 teams. Do you, th- do you think that if Wendell plays against Jer Harper, that when uh, Jared can keep up with Wendell, or you think Wendell can keep up with Jared? I think Jared's a little bit better of a player, and he's been playing pro basketball longer, so I- I'd have to give the edge to Jared in that one. About how about you think Wendell can uh, guard Bryce Harper? I mean, um, Bryce Brown. Uh, Bryce Brown's uh, about 6'5", and Wendell's closer to 5'10", so I, I don't think they'd be matched up on one another. Okay. Hey, uh, I was going um, to say, are you guys going to be at any basketball games probably in the in the future? At uh, any Auburn basketball games? Yeah, for men or women. Yeah, no, our plan is to go to the to men's games uh, in the fall, but it's so far out we don't know what that credential situation will look like. Usually we've only been getting one seat, so we really don't know what the fall will look like yet. Well, like, if you guys ever see me, like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a real, 
grill and sitting in like a 216, the guy that looked for me and stuff like that, I would like to maybe um, wait to you guys or I'm gonna try to talk to uh, Bruce Pearl and see if I can do the half court shot. He he said I can do it any time, but uh, I can really show the people really how to do a half court shot, three point shot, and um, I have been doing behind the line with with ball behind my shoulder with no arch and really show them how to really do it. Yeah, uh, you can show everyone how it's done if uh, you're able yeah. to make it. Yeah, and, and um, so, so, but what do you guys think about the, uh, uh, I can't think, he committed to uh, Arkansas, the softball player. Um, I think he played like third base for softball. Are the, the, who transferred Are you talking Auburn? about Bree Ellis? Bree Ellis. Bree Ellis yeah. from uh, yeah. first base. Yeah. What do you think about her committed to Arkansas? Yeah. I, think, I think she's a great player, and Arkansas is getting a, a great player. Uh, and that's, yeah, you know, she, she's going because she thinks it's a better opportunity for her. And, you know, be, best of luck to her for sure. I, w- I was a big fan of Briella, still am, and I'm going to be rooting for it, Arkansas. Well, you know, when when, she come, when Auburn plays Arkansas, either Arkansas or Auburn, the Auburn fans are not going to like it. And they're going to probably boo her, or, but... Uh, I don't think they're going to boo her at all. Yeah. All right, uh, let's do the trivia now, Matt. Okay. Uh, Brant's going to have a couple questions for you. Here we go. All right. The 4th of July celebrates what document? Independence Day. Or what what document Um, was signed on July 4th? Fireworks. Not quite. Uh, Not quite. There's there's a really old document. About 300 years ago, uh, the American government signed a document, and uh, oh. it was on the 4th of July. Oh, that's the, the um, Declaration of Independence? Uh, that's it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, your second question. What year was the Declaration of Independence signed? What year? Oh, man, they asked me this in middle school and high school. It was 19-something. Not quite. A little earlier than 19-something. Oh, it was 18-something, probably. A little bit more. 17-something. There you go. 17. Late 1700s. Late 1700s. Uh, uh, 1721. Not quite. About about fifty years, uh, fifty years and some change more than that. It wasn't seventeen nineteen or that. Nope. Seventeen. Wasn't seventeen fifteen. No, you wait, wait. Go the wrong later way. Go yeah. the wrong later. way. Gotta go later. Seventeen seven. four. Not Three quite. Seventeen seventy six. Seventeen seventy six. I didn't know that. I was born nineteen seventy six. I was there born in. Ni- I was also born in 1976. That's why I figured figured you when, might get that one. Birthday. When's yeah. your birthday? November the 10th, 1976. My birthday, January 11, 1976. All right. So yeah, you're a little bit older than me by a few months. Uh, I'm 47, so. Yeah. yeah. You got one more? Yeah, we can do one more. Uh, how many stars and stripes does the United States flag have? Oh man. Okay. The star has 50. There you go. Part one done. He said 
The stripes. Yeah, how many stripes does the American flag have? It's less than 50, I think. It's um, way, way less than 50. It's less, less than 30, so... Yep, still less than 30. Uh, I would have to say... Might be less than 25. It is less than 25. You're getting closer. Less than 20. Yep. Nineteen. Uh, Close. Thirteen. There are thirteen stripes, fifty stars, and thirteen mm. bars. Okay. Yeah, well, the, hey. the thirteen are for the original thirteen colonies. Uh, oh. Hey, I heard you guys need to go. You guys need to go tell them batting cages. You guys know where Harbor Freight is here in Auburn. Where what is in Auburn? Harbor Freight. You know where the Crystal Cream is? Yes. Okay, there's some like, there's some like, uh, you have to be a member of this. But see, you guys, I heard you, you guys lost the, you guys second game, 14 to 3. You guys need to go to some batting cages. Like, there's a batting cage right behind we were turn Harbor Freight. The guy named Mark Furlow owns it. You have to be a member, but you guys need to go to some batting cages and hit some like baseballs or softballs so you get better and win some games. Because it sounds like you guys didn't help. Yeah, we've been struggling, man. Uh, we uh, we we've not we've not been playing well. We're certainly gonna have to hit more. Who pitched the first game? JJ pitched the first game. And who pitched the second game? Guy named uh, Guy named Brandon. He's uh, just a, a friend of ours. He doesn't work for the station. So, 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 so Brent, what what position do you and Tom play? Uh, so I have not been in the field yet. When I am, I'll probably be a catcher. Tom. I, I typically play third base and first base, even though for some reason JJ decided to put me at catcher the second game, which I still haven't quite figured out. <laughs> mm. Well, Tom, it sounds like you need to be in outfield. I I need to be somewhere in the field. I I've I've got baseball experience and can play. I prefer to be on the infield. That's just that's my bread and butter. So infield is my is my well, deal. I, I, tell you, I tell you this. If my mom lets me play with you guys next year, if you're in outfield, Tom, I'll back you up. All right. But, but, uh, but I got a question for you and Brent. Last question, Matt, and we got to let you go today. Tom, hey, if I play with you guys and there's a bad call and I get upset and you guys got my back, right? Oh, absolutely. We'll for all, for we'll, sure. We'll, for all sure. Get, we'll all get booted. But, but and JJ got my back and Brooks got my back and but if I have a bad call and stuff like that, you guys say I'm learning, I'm like a beginner and you guys tell the umpire that he will kinda of blame it on somebody. We'll probably we'll probably blame blame Brandon. How about that? Sure, absolutely. Well Matt, we hope you have a great fourth of July, buddy, and we'll uh, we'll talk again next week. Well hey, can you guys give me another thing? My mom's not very she's not and she like she had to do some kind of test, and she's been in bed all day, and some kind of virus in her test and attendance. And so, if you guys can pray for her and stuff for that, I'll I'll appreciate it. Absolutely, Matt. We'll do that. You guys ready to do the countdown? Real quickly. Yep. Five, four, four three, three, two, one. Four, four eagle. Hey. hey. Beat, Beat Bama. One, two, to one.
you cut come to your field and knock you guys out. Booyah. 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 You guys, I'll call you guys next Monday and tell James that I'll play with you guys next year and we'll help you guys win some games. Absolutely. Sounds good, Matt. War Eagle. All right. Tell JJ I said, hey, happy, happy fourth. Will do. War Eagle, Matt. That is Matt from Casita, Matt from Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our first time out, time out the show. Back with more sports call right after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger The Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Monday. As tomorrow, obviously, no show with it being the 4th of July. Looking forward to having the day off, celebrating um, the Declaration of Independence from 1776 and uh, having a... Uh, Having a good time with friends and family. Probably going to go shoot some fireworks. Absolutely. And then you're going to head to the beach. I'm right heading to the that. beach, yeah. Uh, which you said Destin, Navarre. Staying in staying Navarre. We're going to make a day trip over to Destin one of the days. And then uh, we're going to make Saturday. We'll be over in Pensacola uh, watching the Blue Angels show. I, I could add. Well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. So do crowded beaches deter you ever? I mean, because this is a very crowded time of year. And right. I saw the uh, a picture from Gulf Shores this morning, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> I've never been." Because right. granted, the the beach trips I've had they're sometimes in the summer, but they're like late May or or mid May or mid August when high school is going back, and you know, like it's not been the peak of peak time, so I'm not used to that many people being out there. So. Obviously, you don't avoid the crowds if you're going around the Fourth of July, but well, but uh, I, but we're going after the Fourth, so I mean, everyone's going to leave tomorrow. Or, or well, well I mean, fifth? well, I mean, most people have to be back to work on the fifth, you know, fifth That's or the true. sixth. So I mean, the weekend is yeah, it's going to be the big time for it. Uh, the fourth being on a Tuesday, I'm sure some people will linger, but I think most people have to go back to work Wednesday. So uh, you know, 
It's going to be crowded because it's still summertime, but uh, I don't think it will be as crowded. Now, as far as a crowded beach, yeah, I I definitely don't want to be packed in shoulder to shoulder on a beach when yes. it's you know 100 degrees. Fortunately, when we go to Pensacola, that's a huge, huge thing. The Blue Angel show every year out there at Pensacola Beach is massive, and that beach is packed beyond packed, and the water, all the boats are out there packed in. Fortunately, we found a, a viewing area. There's a hotel that... Um, has an outdoor viewing area. I mean, you actually have to pay for it, but it's got a tent and they cater food and drinks and you've got shade and fans and bathrooms and it's so nice instead of spending 12 hours sitting on a beach shoulder to shoulder with sweaty bodies that you don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, when you put it that way. That's kind of miserable. Of course, being packed in like sardines with a bunch of sweaty bodies around me does that not perfectly describe a college sporting event sure. or, or any sporting event but yeah I, I'm with you I don't like the beach much anyway not a big fan of sand uh, I hate salt water as a whole oh just uh, as a concept yeah just as a concept it makes me unhappy <laughs> Uh, I get angered thinking about it, frankly. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. All right. Well, think not, of pool not, water. That you like yeah, yeah, chlorine? Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like swimming. I just don't like the beach that much. But I will say it is a million times worse when it's packed. I went to, uh, I, I went to New York several summers ago. And while we were there, we stopped at uh, Coney Island. Okay. You ever been to Coney Island Beach? You can't go five feet without tripping over somebody. And it was very much just like a. Huh, it's kind of. It's kind of sucks. That's where they have the Nathan's hot dog contest, yeah. Yeah. right? Yes. So could you go ten feet without seeing a hot dog? <laughs> well, at the time, yeah, but it was not July Fourth weekend. Fair. So, uh, yeah, I, no, don't don't love the beach in general, but it's exponentially worse when it's crowded. Okay, that's fair. I, the, there's not a whole lot uh, in the sports world that kind of coincides with uh, July Fourth, obviously. You have the uh, element where you have the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest, and you do have Major League Baseball. But this time of year, we're obviously so uh, slow on the sports calendar because there's nothing college-wise at all. I mean, the month of July, there's not a thing, and there's no way to have a thing. Um, but even professionally, three of the big four are out. So I, there's not a well-known golf tournament usually July 4th. There's has typically been a pretty well-known NASCAR race, but it's been less of a big deal since they moved it away from Daytona. And, yeah, then you pretty much just have baseball and hot dogs at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. which those two things go together inherently already. So there's usually not a whole lot of going on. So I guess that's uh, also a great, great reason to have a weekend vacation, that sort of thing. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 We go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Hey, great, gentlemen. Uh Always feeling better when I hear your guys' voices and your comments. And uh, I'm so really, I am very happy for you guys that uh, the, uh, I guess, uh, the people at the top uh, thought fit to uh, let you guys have a day off tomorrow. So uh, will it be like a recordings of some uh, previous programs or games? Nope, uh, just straight up music tomorrow at this time slot, yep. Okay, so uh, Tom, I heard you're going to the beach, but you're not going to the best beach that you uh, hopefully would have gone to, and that's Orange Beach or Gulf Shores. No. Well, I mean, I, there's there there's plenty of beaches to choose from. I've been to Orange Beach and Gulf Shores, and I, and I like it. Navarre is also, though, uh, we, we've, we've got a nice condo that, that we um, go to there in Navarre that's right on the Sound. It has a on private fishing pier uh, walking distance from the condo to the beach. 
Uh, it's also not as packed and crowded in Navarre as like Destin or Pensacola or Orange no, Beach. No, it's so. a pretty place. I've just messed with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's called the Emerald Beach. Uh, but something came to mind when you talked about the beach. Because last week, I think it was last week, you talked about uh, the sharks being uh, much older than any trees, of course. And then I went and read an article. Uh, recent researchers decided to find out. Uh, this would be like a wacky Wednesday piece of trivia. To find out, uh, do sharks detect the difference between non-human and human blood? And guess what they discovered? That they do? Question mark? Yes, they do. Good. Yes, they do. And something else they discovered along their study, that they actually do not prefer human blood. Yeah, so that, that's actually something that I've heard. Like, shark attacks happen because a shark mistakes the person for something else that it wants to eat. Sharks don't typically just eat humans because they don't like the taste of humans, I guess, is what is my well, understanding. They don't like, they don't like uh, the smell or the taste of human blood. They right. prefer non-human blood. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and there's been a, a good number of sharks around the beach uh, the last few weeks, uh, particularly Orange Beach. I saw that there was a whole, whole uh, I don't know what the, the sc- not school of sharks, it's like no. generic fish, but there's like 30, a bunch of hammerheads down there. Well, I mean, you got hammerheads and black tips and all sorts of different shark species around. And I mean, you know, me being the fisherman that I am, and that's one of the things, big things I'm going to be going down there to do is to fish. And, I mean, there's such an abundance of sharks there in the Gulf near the beach that that's what a lot of people target. They throw cut bait out there and catch sharks. And one would thought, at least I did, too, until I read this other research study, that there are an abundance of sharks everywhere in the world. Sure. They are not. They're actually becoming an endangered species. I mean, maybe... maybe a I wouldn't parti- have known that. No. I mean, it may be a particular type, but, I mean, you can see there's pods of... I think it's called a pod of sharks, maybe? Sure. That sounds right. But anyway... Yeah. Oh, no, they're being overkilled, is what the, no. the researchers found. Well, and, and, I mean, they're, they're heavily regulated. They, that's part of the, the fishing... Uh, you can look, especially in Florida and Alabama, I mean, there's heavy, heavy regulations on uh, what size sharks that you're able to harvest and how many you're able to harvest, and... There's no commercial. Fi- they don't allow any sort of commercial fishing of sharks. So I mean, they, they're they. It's heavily, heavily regulated to prevent overkill of of sharks unless people are just doing it illegally. Well, some of it is due to a lot of Asian countries seem to uh, think that shark fins and shark fin soup or uh, other parts of shark have some kind of aphrodisiac quality to them. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a, a food source with shark fin and stuff like that, but I mean, even with that, that's become heavily, heavily regulated. All right, so let's continue, guys. Uh, first in the wild world sports, you know, uh, Saturday was a Happy Bonilla Day, Bobby Bonilla Day, right? It was. Yeah, and then I read an article about it, and, and so I didn't know, maybe you guys can figure this out, the Mets still, according to the article, still owe him 12 more payments, yearly payments, so and then I just afford ahead and just go ahead and pay a lump sum and get it done with instead of being made fun of every year. Say that again. Sure. Can't the Mets go ahead and pay him one lump sum and avoid being, you know, made fun of every year uh, for Happy Bonilla Day? I, I think they'd have to agree with Bobby himself to to change it up. I mean. Uh, you know that's the the contract that they they put out there. So. Uh, that I and I honestly I don't think they care that people make fun of them. It's it's the contract they sign and that's just what they do. They 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 got bigger they got bigger worries right now than somebody picking on them about Benita Day. 
I agree. Okay. Moving uh, on. Uh, na- namely, their team stinks right now. <laughs> yeah, and the Braves just keep on, keep on. And I looked at their standings, and they're just, I think, barely behind uh, the Rays, right, in terms of wins and losses. Yeah, they're, they're like one win behind or something, but they have a better win percentage right. because Tampa's played like four more games and lost three of them. So to, Atlanta has the best win percentage in the league. And the official uh, season ends on October the 1st. Is, am I correct on that? Say that one more time. The season, it, regular season, season ends on October the 1st. October, October 1st, right? that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. It's, some, okay. it's, it's definitely so, somewhere around there. Would you have to know, guess, you know, guessing, how many games are left then from now until then? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's about uh, 78, 79, somewhere in there. Most, okay. te- most teams are between 75 and 80. It just depends. I think the Braves have played... 83 at this point, so that would that would have them have 79 remaining. Okay, well, uh, I, I'm just uh, stunned by uh, not only that they're doing this, they've won nine of the past 10 uh, games so far, but that they're scoring uh, I mean, so profusely in, I mean, in double digits because I've been listening to the Braves with Skip Carey, you know, being an announcer, and I can't recall them going uh, just blasting people with double digit uh, uh, scoring runs. And then they broke the record for June, 61 home runs, right, uh, yep. all-time. Franchise record. I think the 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 thing about this run now that Braves are going on, and, and I don't know if I'm going to predict 14 straight division titles again, but I think that they certainly have a chance to go for a while, is that this is a bunch of hitters together. That, that run was three great pitchers predominantly together. And so, yeah, you would have one or two constants in the lineup for six, seven, eight, nine straight years, but it was really the, the pitching staff that was staying mostly intact, whereas this time I think you've got the potential for the lineup to stay intact for a lot of years. We're talking about Acuna and Albies and Riley and Olsen and, Murphy. and uh, Michael Harris, Sean Murphy. So you've got, I think, at least half, if not two-thirds of the lineup that are probably going to be together seven, eight, nine, ten years. So I think that's why you're seeing this is the offensive version of what the Braves were doing in the 90s when they were a great pitching team. Well, and, and Steve, and, here, and here's the thing. Uh, talking about that lineup and just how good they are, so the Braves had eight all-star picks. Only two of those are pitchers. So that's six of your six of your fielders or you know or six of your batting order have made the all-star game now. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. And you know, of course, I grew up losing to the 60s and 70s um, and then uh, there was Hank Aaron. But during that time, uh, didn't we have I thought the Braves had a lot of home run hitters. Uh, the two brothers, Felipe and Manny Alou, weren't they with the Braves? Yeah, I know uh, Felipe was again. I don't. I don't know a whole lot about the uh, the '70s Braves, '60s Braves, other than Aaron and what uh, Warren Spawn during that time. I believe Necro. Maybe Necro's a little yeah. older, a little, little later. Than he was, he was in the '70s and '80s. Yeah. You never see these kind of double digit runs they were doing. So uh, this is astounding. All right, move on quickly, guys. Uh, sports. Um, what happened with the uh, streetcar racing? I, I didn't, uh, I didn't catch it. Uh, it was but, awesome. Yeah. So uh, they <laughs> had, they had a, a, a rain delay because while they can race in the rain, it was pouring and yeah. they can't run in puddles. They can't run when it's pooling like that, borderline flooding. So they had to delay it a little bit, but they did get it going. They had to shorten the race by a little bit, but it was, uh, it was an impressive race. And who won it? 
So that first time, first timer, uh, Shane Van uh, Jesbit, Jesbinger, uh, something like Jesbergen, I think. Jesbergen, yeah, yeah uh, Gisbergen, Gisbergen or Gisbergen, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. He's a Australian rally car racer um, that uh, was in his first ever NASCAR start. It's the first time in I think like fifty years that someone won in their first start in NASCAR. And do you know what his purse was? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think the winner usually gets several hundred thousand uh, dollars. I don't. I don't think it's a million. I think only there's one or two races that are a million, but uh, not that one. Do you know what the top speed was? Yeah, the during one of the uh, back. I think because obviously because it's a road course there and a street course, they're not going as fast as they can on the oval. But I think they got out. Got up to about 160, 165. Uh, there's one. There yeah. was one real long straightaway that they said they could get up to around 160 to 165. So yeah, yeah that's gonna be a top speed. Yep. Okay. Hi. Moving along, guys. Uh, the Tour de France started yesterday, didn't it? Honestly, I haven't been following it. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. did did you know that the Tour Tour de France is the most watched sporting event in the entire world? No, I didn't. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Didn't know that. I would have thought World really? Cup. Nope. World Cup, I think, is like number two, but apparently the Tour de France is the number one most watched sporting event in the entire world. Maybe because just of how that. long it goes, because yeah. it goes almost full month. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I never. I thought it would have been the World Cup in soccer. No. Nope. Tour de okay. France. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. How about this little tidbit? Uh, we talk about money. Uh, Netflix. I'm reading this uh, from a website called. Uh, the total pro sports. Anyway, apparently Netflix is getting ready to work on a docu series about Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys' formative years, uh, along with a website called Puck.com. And apparently, uh, the uh, way they got this to, to, I guess, to do it, they had to pay just under fifty million dollars. Nice. Yeah. Which is uh, not loose change, right? Right. Uh, so I, I might guess, wow, it's a good deal of uh, money there to pay. Uh, it doesn't involve, uh, doesn't focus on any players. It's just Jerry Jones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, well, he is one of the most interesting owners in, in American sports. I mean, obviously he creates a lot of headlines and is, is again, one of the most well-known owners in the sport. I, I don't know if, if even half the NFL owners are known to the average person, but just about everyone knows who Jerry Jones is. Yeah. All right. And moving on, since tomorrow is uh, your day off, I heard Matt make some comments about he gave the trip at the uh, uh, Independence Day. Here's a little known trivia uh, for you, Mr. Tom Peters, as you like to do these trivia facts. Would you happen to know who a man by the name of Gouverneur, and I'll spell it G-O-U-V-E-R-N-E-U-R, Mars, why he is literally known but should be given more credit than um, has been given to him, especially uh, in history, when it comes to the um, Independence Day Constitution. I, I I do not know. He is the author, gentlemen, okay. of the preamble to the Constitution. Okay. Governor Morris, who was also, yes, governor of New York, he is buried uh, in a little area in South Bronx, was now South Bronx. I'm reading this from... Uh, the actual uh, Smithsonian website here, and uh, didn't know that he was uh, that uh, important figure. Yet he 
there's not even hardly even mentioned, but he wrote the preamble. In fact, the preamble was changed. Uh, Jefferson and Franklin wanted it to be, guess what? We, the people of New York, New Hampshire, uh, went on down all the states. He said, no, 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 no. He decided to make it we, the people of the U.S. There you so go. He did away with, with all 13 colonies' names. That's originally how it was going to begin. And he made it, don't forget, uh, cut that out and make it we, the people of the United States. In our form. So he was the one who was given a little credit, but he was the one that started uh, the, the preamble. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Of I'd never heard of this man before. All right. Uh, with that said, guys, I know you're going to uh, hopefully enjoy uh, your days off, uh, day off tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I hope that uh, you will not do anything that will incur your losing an eye or fingers or any digits. Yeah, uh, no, that's not the, our plan. Although I think Tom said he might be doing the fireworks thing. So no, I don't okay. know about that. Oh, and and uh, may I also uh, definitely um, ask you to stay away from anyone nearby who may yell out, "Hey, watch this, y'all!" Yeah. <laughs> or, or hey, I saw this on a cartoon one time. So uh, when someone calls, "Hey, watch this, y'all!" That's when you need to just kind of really run away as far as you can because they usually don't come out the outcome very well for, for when that's said. Right. Usually uh, someone loses a finger or something blows up in somebody's face. Yeah. Alright guys. Thanks for your time as always and uh, I'm really glad to know that you guys are going to be off tomorrow enjoying the well-deserved rest for me and the rest of the gang. So until the next time which will be I guess uh, Wednesday. Yes sir. Uh, we'll talk to you then and I don't know about the rest of you guys but uh, my daughter and I we're going to go see Mr. Uh, Harrison Ford before he uh, can't get on a, a horse again uh, for an Indiana Jones episode. So until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Have a great 4th of July, sir. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. That is Retired War Dame Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Tour de France uh, annually, 3.5 billion viewers. Billion? Billion. Uh, the World Cup, uh, which comes around every four, uh, is 3.3 billion. Oh, it's two. close. So Very we, we close. might have a. Ch- I say close. That, that's 200 million people, but percentage-wise, it's, it's not too far off. No, yeah. Still, I would have never guessed 3.5 billion people watched the Tour de France. Yeah. Uh, where do we think it's big other than France? I don't know. All the European countries. The cycling community is worldwide. Yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, like, like I know that there are cyclists from all over, but I'm just saying, what do you think the most watched countries are? Because, I mean, if it's three point something billion, that's not just one or two countries holding down the four. It's I several. See. Several pretty key countries. Most yeah. prestigious countries is also one of the most difficult. I, Australia's had some good cyclists, I think. But Australia's not a super massive country in right. terms of population. Yeah. I'm just trying to it think. Really, it doesn't yeah, say where. Of, it just says an estimated 3.5 billion viewers worldwide tune in to watch the Tour de France every year. I'm trying to think of like the major countries like India and China yeah. are just like those super populous countries. Well, and that would be one why. Number three is the Cricket World Cup. <laughs> yeah. 2.6 billion viewers for the Cricket World Cup. India, shout out. Roger um, Goodell's got some work to do. Yeah. This year. No, number Dude, cricket? Number Cricket's f- electric. Yeah. Number Sports awesome. <laughs> number four of the summer games at two billion viewers. Number five are the winter games at two billion viewers, which I guess smaller percentage. Uh, six is the women's World Cup. Isn't that kind of crazy to you though? That again, I'm not trying to give crap to the Tour de France, but like that is more watched than the Olympics. The Olympics includes all the countries. 
All of them. Yeah. I, I just, I've, uh, and it's not like a link thing either because Olympics definitely goes on about three weeks or so, doesn't right. it? Two to three, at least two to three yeah. weeks. UEFA Champions League is at eight, three eighty million. You'd think I would have thought the UEFA would be up there. Super Bowl is at number nine, at a measly one hundred twelve point three million viewers. Oh yeah, that's all. Only like a third of American households. Yeah, World Series <laughs> is number ten, fourteen point three. So we got some pretty serious drop-offs. Yeah, oh, at yeah. some points in there. What the 112 million? That's gosh, that's less than 10 percent of what the right. Tour de France. That's like well, because it's not really a worldwide right. event. I mean, yeah. there's some folks around the world that watch it, but it's mainly an American thing. But Tour de France, World Cup. I mean, those are absolutely worldwide sports. But, yeah. But well, there's your trivia for the day. The, the the Tour de France is the most watched sporting event in the world. So will you be watching? Will you be a part of this? <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Brandon. <laughs> that was very dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. Also, no. Not yeah, a fan. That's Not also a fan no of the for cycling. me, dog. All right. That will do it for hour number one. Stay tuned in hour number two. We'll have birthdays and sports. We'll also, also tell you a little bit about uh, what's going on in the SEC Network throughout the day with the Auburn Takeover Day and some stuff on the Atlanta Braves and the many all-stars that they have. That's coming up a little bit later. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Two sports calls starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon, the day before July 4th. All right, uh, as we start hour number two, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I'm just actually. I have my TV on. We're taking over the SEC network as uh, as we speak because you know it's uh, Auburn's turn to take over the SEC network, and uh, they're showing some great highlights from you know from some many great games that Auburn has played. What are they showing right now? 
Well, we are actually playing, well, they're actually playing uh, Auburn versus Tennessee, and I remember that game. Um, that was one of the greatest games that I've actually seen, um, seeing Auburn actually beat Tennessee to actually make it into the March Madness tournament as well. Yeah, the uh, 2023 uh, home game versus uh, Tennessee um, that uh, you're referring to when, when Auburn was able to get some revenge from the, the loss in, in Thompson Bowling Arena. And, yeah, that was a, a successful home game for Auburn. A lot of home games against Tennessee have been successful uh, for Auburn the last few years. Yes, as well, because I think with, uh, you know, I, I probably see – I'll, I'll probably see these two teams actually play again uh, this coming up year if we play Tennessee when the basketball season starts, like in November. So I think Auburn might make a might might make a huge turnaround this year. You think they might uh, have a have a big year? Yes, I think so because with Bruce Pearl doing recruiting, um, I see some great guys coming in this year, and I'm hoping that we'll make it back to the March Madness tournament. Yeah, absolutely. We we agree. We we think Auburn will will end up doing that. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, going to be looking at some Wimbledon tennis. Uh, half of it has already been gone. Um, Venus Williams just lost her match, and um, you know she really did. Um, she really did good, but I I think you know maybe next time when they do Wimbledon, I think it will be you know a second time around for Venus Williams to actually come back as well. Yeah, she's been at it a, a while. She's uh, she's been playing for about 20 years or so. So this actually might be her last, or at least one of her last. Uh, big tournaments to compete in because she's she's kind of been struggling the last few years. She's just gotten older, and and that's what happens type of thing. But you know she's probably in the twilight of her career. Yes, that's well. So she should be like retiring, you know, just like um, you know somebody that I'm not going to mention as well. Uh, like Serena Williams or her sister. Uh, like her sister or um, an NFL. Uh, football player that, um, you know, from Tampa Bay. Oh, Tom Brady. Yeah, no, you can say it. It's okay. We, I got three more years than I thought I was going to get with him. So, uh, that no, that's okay. It happens. Yeah, because I know when, it, when it's your, when it's, you know, their time and they've had a long run, uh, it, it's time to just hang it up and, and chill and sit back and just relax with, with uh, her family as well. Absolutely. How many, uh, Speaking of NFL quarterbacks and getting older, how much more? Uh, how many more years do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to play? Um, they were talking about that because Aaron Rodgers, with his age, um, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards like two to three. I'm, I'll probably say like three years, three years in the league, three or four years in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he'll definitely play at least two more years, and then after that it'll be it'll be kind of a year-by-year -year basis. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because, I, I mean, when, when they were – when Aaron Rodgers switched from Green Bay to uh, the, the Jets, I mean – you're looking at a historic team that's won a Super Bowl with uh, Joe Namath, but when they brought Aaron Rodgers in as a Super Bowl uh, winner, I think the Jets might make it back to the Super Bowl as well. 
Yeah, they've got a long way to go, and, and they've got a lot of great teams in the AFC, but I think it certainly helps them. I mean, they've been struggling at the quarterback position. Unfortunately for them, Zach Wilson has, has not turned out uh, to be a, a competent NFL quarterback, and uh, they've had some problems on offense. So I think Rodgers is, is clearly a big upgrade. How much uh, does he have left in the tank after kind of a disappointing year in Green Bay? We'll see. But the rest of that football team is pretty good. So I'm really excited to watch that AFC East this year between them, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. I think there's a lot of quality teams in that division. Yes, as well, because with those four teams, I'll probably see out of those four teams, I'll probably see one of those teams actually make it to Las Vegas. And I would love to see uh, the New England Patriots meet up with the Dallas Cowboys. That would be one of the best uh, Super Bowl matches of, of all time as well. That would also be one of the more surprising ones uh, coming into the year just because the Patriots are, of those four teams, probably the least favorable to, to end up winning that division and, and going through the playoffs. And then, obviously, I know Dallas is still talented, but uh, the reigning NFC champion Eagles are in that division. So difficult roads for those teams, but obviously very historic franchises. And if that was ever a Super Bowl matchup, then I think it'd get a lot of eyeballs. Yes, as well, because with um, with Dallas, I know we're I know my team is a Super Bowl uh, team, and I think that Dak Prescott is going to really do something uh, this year as well. So I just have to see uh, what he's gonna what he's really going to bring to the table this year when the football season starts in August. We will see, and and good news is we're getting closer and closer because this is the last full month without football, so it's coming up pretty soon. Yes, as well, because I'm actually going to be uh, marking my calendar down to um, a great uh, NFL opening season to see, uh, you know, the the uh, Browns and the Jets actually opening it up and uh, seeing um, seeing some great guys being called to the to the Hall of Fame in August as well. Absolutely. What else is on your mind today? Well. Over the weekend, I was watching the uh, race from Chicago, and while I was watching the race from Chicago, I was uh, keeping my heart on the um, Birmingham Stallions, and they actually won their second uh, USFL championship as well. Yeah, what about that? Two years and two championships for the Birmingham Stallions. Yes, as well. Then um, they were going to be doing, uh, yesterday they did a parade in Birmingham, and that was... um, one that I missed, so maybe um, it'll be three championships for the Birmingham Stallions next year in 2024. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, again, no one in that uh, in that league has won but them. The league's only been operating for two years there, so uh, Birmingham's clearly the team to beat in that league, and uh, I know Skip Holtz has done a great job in two years there, and they've been a lot of fun to watch. Yes, as well. And then with the NASCAR race in Chicago, it was really nice. Um, I was following my driver, uh, Bubba Wallace, and um, he he really did okay. But I I was I was right there with him and and seeing you know if he was going to actually make it. But I think he couldn't make it as well. So maybe maybe during the playoff uh, weekend, I think he might make a bounce back as well. Yeah, he'll. Uh, I think he's now uh, just just barely within the playoff picture. I think he's like 15th, and he's got a few points to spare. But it's getting pretty tight with 15th, 16th, and and then the outside looking in guys. So he will he will need to run well here these next few weeks to make the playoffs. Yes, as well because I did have my NASCAR fantasy lineup and I didn't win this one. 
So I take I take this huge loss as well. So this is my first loss of the NASCAR Fantasy uh, weekend. I've actually lost. I never lost in NASCAR Fantasy since. So this is my first loss this this uh, year as well. Well, that's all right because I don't think anyone had Shane Van Jesbergen winning uh, this this year this week. I mean, that was his first ever NASCAR race and. Uh, again, no one could have called out the first time something like that's happened in 50 years. So I think I think you're you're more than excused for for not uh, getting the W this weekend. Yeah, because sometimes I'm always uh, picking the right drivers and I'm you know jumping up for joy, but not this time. It it just really crushed my heart as well. Oh no, don't worry about it, James. You'll you'll get back on it next week. Yeah, so I just have to see um, who who's gonna actually um, be in the next week's race, and uh, seeing uh, some great guys I might be picking for the uh, NASCAR fantasy, and uh, seeing where where am I lead. I I'm just gonna keep my hopes up and uh, see if I can keep on keep on driving with this. Absolutely, and I think a good pick next week would be Chase Elliott. He won in Atlanta last year so he won this race last year and it is his hometown track so and, and he also needs a win so I, don't, I think that'd be a pretty good pick all right sounds good and now um i'll probably pick him uh this weekend and uh, see if he's gonna win for me as well absolutely sounds like a plan yes as well and then i'm actually going to be looking on uh july the 7th 8th 9th 10th 11th and 12th uh, the summer league of the NBA and uh, seeing some of these guys uh, playing in the summer league and um, seeing uh, some of the guys that uh, Dallas actually drafted and uh, seeing a great game as well and um, maybe it might, you know, with the with the short uh, list for uh, Dallas, I know um, we might play the, the uh, NBA Finals champion Denver Nuggets in our schedule, so I'm just going to see uh, what Jason Kidd is actually going to do this year as well. Yeah, we will see. And uh, also, James, there's also a – so that's the Vegas Summer League with the uh, the California Classic also starts tonight, so don't want to miss out on a couple uh, NBA Summer League games tonight. I know the Mavericks don't play till a little bit later, but uh, there are some games on tonight. Yes, as well. So I'm going to probably catch those uh, games tonight. I think there's two games on – NBA TV, and then two more games. I think it's on ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I'm not quite yeah, sure ESPN, as well. ESPN, yep. Okay. All right, okay, James, so do you have any uh, final thoughts for us today? Um, the only final thought that I actually have is I would love to see Auburn win another national championship this year. And wouldn't we all? Uh, absolutely. All right, sounds good, and I'll call you all back on um Tuesday as well. On Wednesday, because we, we won't have a show tomorrow since oh. it's the 4th of July. Oh, okay, so I'll call you all on Wednesday then. Absolutely. Sounds good. Alright. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our first time out of hour number two. Back with more sports call right after this.
easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Tiger 95.9 with Tiger.fm Tiger Communications app. <laughs> Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy. Look, I'm just excited for Best Norse of the weekend. It's so funny how we can just be saying whatever we want and off. then like immediately just turn on the mic. It's like you just walked in. You have no idea what was just said. Yep. And we, we operate on that assumption that you do not know what we were just talking about. Well, we talked about that. Uh, it was one of those last shows I was on. I, I don't know if you were in here or not, but they had the replay of the women's uh, soccer championship up here with North Carolina versus UCLA. Mm-hmm. Off air, Ryan is screaming and yelling and cussing at the television of a game that had had already it's already happened, happened. That we knew the event, had knew the outcome of it. He is just like, I mean, just like it's a live event. Him being North Carolina fan, and he's just rah 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 rah. They the gave up a goal with they, 16 seconds. It, what do you want like, from me? They I mean, lost was, the title. But it was just ah, Mike's come on. Rah. Welcome back to Sports Call. Look, you know, <laughs> it's you, like that a lot. It's like that a lot here. Certain professionalism, and uh, look, we do give away sometimes what we were referring to, what we were talking about before the the segment begins. But as far as anyone knows. Hey, we're just having a nice, normal, even keel. We were talking about food. Yes, we were talking about food, but you will be privy to that information because I'm going to tell everyone it because it's going to be my best of the weekend. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you miss any of Sports Call today so far, you can go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca Cola. That was also available that evening. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca Cola. To go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. As we continue on with this Monday edition of Sports Call, time for birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays today. Moises Alou turns 57, former MLB outfielder. Alou was born in Atlanta and did not play organized baseball until the age of 18, where he joined Kanata College's baseball team. Go Colts. Would have never known that. He played well enough at the college level to be drafted second overall in the January draft by the Pirates. He made his MLB debut in 1990 and played 19 years in the major leagues for seven different teams. Six-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and one-time World Series champion with the 1997 Florida Marlins. Yes, I, it's, I, I think it's Kenyatta sure. Community College in Redwood City. I just knew it was not Canada. It's not Canada. I said it's Kenyatta Community College. In Redwood City Command, Harold Baines, or yeah, yep. wait, Harold yep. Baines also yep. went to school there, yeah. Uh, but no high school for. I, I didn't get a high school because he's Dominican Republic. 
uh, went to L.A. when he was young, and, but I didn't get a high school for him. Gotcha. Moises Alou turns 57 today. Brian Cashman turns 56, general manager of the New York Yankees for too long. Cashman was born in New York and moved to Kentucky before high school. Played college baseball at the Catholic University of America, a Division three school. Go Cardinals. And started for four years Not after Friars. all of that, just Cardinals. Okay, whatever. And started for four years as the team's second baseman. Set the record for most hits in a season as a senior and graduated in 1989. Began working as an intern in the Yankees organization in 1986 and took a job with the team when he graduated. In 1998, he took over as GM, where he remains somehow today. He is a five-time World Series champion. Brian Cashman turns 56. Today. That's probably how he's a five-time World Series champion. So born as an executive, born born around the New York area as a kid. They, his family moved to Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, his dad was into the thoroughbreds and stuff like that. Uh, he attended Lexington Catholic High School in in Lexington. Go Knights! But then, before graduating, the family moved up to Washington D.C. and he attended Georgetown Preparatory School in Bethesda, Maryland. And of course, they are the Hoyas. Why not? Georgetown Why not? Preparatory Academy Hoyas. So, Knights Hoyas, and then he was a Cardinal with the Catholic University of America. Got less exciting there at the at the end. This I'm just a good say- one coming up. Though. I'm just saying he he's not won since '09, not been in the World Series since '09. That's fair. They spend gobs of money and don't get the right players somehow. And I don't hate him as much as I'm letting on, but. The, when you kind of support the Yankees, you can just be irrational about things because you just assume <laughs> that the wallets are limitless. And uh, they have been to a degree for the Yankees, even still post uh, George Steinbrenner. But nevertheless, I digress. Brian Cashman turns 56 today. And yes, five-time World Series champion is is something special. Uh, Frank Tanana turns 70, former MLB pitcher. Tanana was born in Detroit, where he was an All-State player in both basketball and football. Considered playing college basketball at Duke, but got came to his senses and then went to the <laughs> Angels after he was drafted in the first round, in 1971. Made his major league debut with the Angels in 1973, anchoring the rotation along with Nolan Ryan. Pitched in the majors for 20 years and was a three-time All-Star, one-time AL ERA leader, and one-time MLB strikeout leader. Uh, went to Detroit Catholic Central. Go Shamrocks. Sham- that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. Yep. That's Detroit Catholic Shamrocks. I like that. That's that's a good one. That's the first time we've had Shamrocks on there. I can promise yes. you that. Frank Tanana turns 70 today. And Greg Vaughn turns 58, former MLB DH. Vaughn was born in Sacramento, California, played college baseball at Miami. He also played summer ball with the Cape Cod League, where his MVP is a senior. In 1984, he was drafted by the Brewers in the fourth round, made his MLB debut in 1989, played 15 seasons in the majors, and was a four-time All-Star and one-time Silver Slugger. The big boy Greg Vaughn turns 58 today. From uh, John F. Kennedy High School in Sacramento, California, go Cougars. Go Cougars. Telling me they didn't name themselves like the presidents or the governors or something, or the, the senators, yeah. and <laughs> the what? <laughs> I hear what you said. The bullets. Oh. <laughs> Dang. Let that resonate. Let it resonate. All right. That's birthdays today. Greg Vaughn, fifty-eight. Wow. Frank Tanana, seventy. Ryan Cashman, fifty-six. Moises Alou, fifty-seven. 
That was a good time. It's almost so good that we needed another break, but we pushed through. Right. We pushed through and get to some some content. So on the SEC Network today, uh, they're having the takeover for Auburn. It's already that time of year. We uh, had a little joke about our, uh, our good friend J.J. earlier. This was the lineup for today. Obviously, you missed most of it at this point because we're getting to the last couple events. But let's uh, run through what the lineup was today. Obviously, couldn't really preview this way back on, uh, on last week. So, 8 a game was 11 p.m. So, that's what kind of got you to midnight, got you into July 3rd. You had volleyball versus Alabama in 2000, uh, from 2022. Of course, that's when the volleyball season played, fall of 22. Gymnastics at 3 a.m. against Arkansas. SEC storied miracles on the plains. That was 4.30. 5.30 a.m. was men's basketball versus Arkansas, which, uh, you know, good win, but I think I remember there being a million free throws. That was when Auburn got out to a huge lead in the first eight, ten minutes and kind of just broke even the rest of the way. Uh, you had 7.30 volleyball versus Creighton in the NCAA tournament. 9.30 you had baseball versus LSU. That's what uh, J.J. was on the call for. That's what I woke up to. Right. Uh, <laughs> 12.30 equestrian, the 2022 SEC championship. 2.30 gymnastics versus LSU. Right now, if you turned over, you'd go and see men's basketball versus Tennessee. I think that was the last regular season game of the year, I want to say. Or, I think or so, yeah. right, maybe, maybe the last one in. Sir, I think the last home game for sure. I just can't remember if it was the last one overall, but uh, when Auburn beat the Vols. Then 6 o'clock tonight, softball versus Alabama. Auburn able to take that series in Tuscaloosa this year. Then 8 o'clock to round out the game, round out the night. I think no 12s here. Uh, football versus Texas A&M is going to be the last thing tonight. So if you're searching for that, it's 8 o'clock. Um, they're doing the thing because they've been doing these takeovers for a while now. Uh, good content idea for the teams over the summer. And when it started out, it was kind of a – a look at some of the great games, period. It wasn't just confined to the last year. Obviously, everything I just read uh, was in the last year. So I'm, I'm not going to petition you guys to have uh, changes into this previous year. But let's say that we can change at least half of this and put at least four or five things in there uh, from not too far out history, but at least the last decade or two of history. What would you put in there? For me, I, and got to mix it up a little bit. Can't yeah, be like all football. All football. Because yeah. my mind immediately goes to 2010 National Championship. I feel like has right. to be there. Um, Play the hits. Yeah, yep. absolutely. They, they're doing Miracles on the Plains, which, the you know, the, the 30 for 30 or, or the ES, uh, SEC story, whatever uh, thing that is. So I, I don't feel the need to put the 2013 Iron Bowl in there or the Georgia game. To me, uh, I don't know. I Choosing all stuff from the past year feels a little I don't want to say it's lazy because obviously like well, I mean for Auburn football it's tough to choose a really great Auburn football game from this past year uh, other than that Texas A&M game yeah that was special though it was it absolutely was and, and it's a great memory but you know, and in 20 years we're going to remember that as something great but the football season as a whole was incredibly disappointing uh, so so I don't know I, I kind of like having the classics up there like I'm all about some newer stuff what I want to see are some games that aren't really rivalries, just games that ended up being really good. Um, one that immediately comes to mind whenever I think of stuff like this, and I'm not 100% sure why. I remember 2004 LSU. 
being just a game that it was a tight game, really good game. And I know the LSU thing has kind of become a rivalry, but I still don't think of it as one of Auburn's biggest rivalries in any sport. Um, but for whatever reason, the 2004 LSU game, I don't remember the details of that game, but every time this comes up, I'm going, that's kind of an obscure game that nobody really remembers. That was a really good football game. The only thing I, I, I wish would be shown. The only thing I say about that game from being there is it it's not really a good made-for-TV uh, game because it was really a boring game uh, until the end. Uh, it was a very low-scoring game. There, There's not a lot of scoring in that. Um, but uh, but Jason Campbell hit Courtney Taylor in the end zone for a pass yeah. to, to win the game yeah. there at the very end. So it was a great ending that kind of helped propel Auburn to that undefeated season. But other than the last little bit of the game where Auburn won it, that game was pretty boring. There was a big-time sack from um, – uh, Brett Eddins in, in that game that uh, still gets played a lot, but yeah, I mean there, it was a very very low scoring nine to three, I think maybe or something like. I that. have no idea. It, it was extremely low scoring. It but was nine to three. Oh no, I was just saying it was low scoring. I was looking. At, I was doing other research for other things that were <laughs> low scoring that I'm going to jokingly suggest. But go ahead. I don't know. I was like six in 2004, but. Great, great memory. Probably my earliest memories are of 2004 Auburn football. <laughs> I get in a more uh, jovial, joking tone on the day before a day off. That's usually Friday, <laughs> but that so happens to also be today. Can I, I want to know if you can get this off the top of your head. February 6, 2013, February Auburn, Alabama 6. basketball game happened. 2013? Yeah. By the way, 10 to 9 was the final score. 10 to 9, okay. I've got, I've got. No, oh, is that the one where they were lined up over the center on the extra point? Like Auburn missed the extra point. No, no, February basketball. No, basketball. I, I'm, t- oh. I'm still, oh, I'm still, I'm still on, on LSU football. But uh, no, I have no idea what say, happened. Say this again, now. February six, two thousand thirteen, basketball. February six, twenty thirteen. Playing Alabama. I, I could not tell you anything that happened in that game. I don't remember. This is when Mighty Auburn, led by Tony Barbie, improved to nine and thirteen on the year, with an arousing forty-nine to thirty-seven victory oh over Alabama. Good lord! Wow. <laughs> there, there was a. This was a loss. There, there was a Tony. I'm pretty sure it was a Tony Barbie-led team. Uh, again, again, against LSU, and I think Auburn scored like six points yeah. in the first half. Wow. And then scored like 50 in the second half something and like lost by like 8 or 10 something or something. Like but they scored 6 points yeah. in the second first half. half t- second half, Tony. So, just just uh, right jokes aside there. Um, well, like, so, so now some of the other things that I would like to see. Uh, and, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to say something first, and then I'm going to make another point of what I wish SEC Network would do. One thing, a, a game of – I guess you could now maybe consider it classic. Um, it's definitely not within the last just couple of years, but I would love to see the Auburn softball victory over Oklahoma in the Women's College World Series. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the the, the 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 Grand Slam home run and and seeing Gus Malzahn and Bruce Pearl celebrating in the stands mm-hmm. with each other. Um, was that not the same game that the the girl from Auburn robbed a home run? I think from so, Oklahoma yeah. that would have given them the lead or something. I mean, just an absolutely incredible, incredible game. 
in the softball world in, on the college world season on the biggest stage and Auburn got that win over Oklahoma in very dramatic fashion I'd love to see that again um, to to that point I think um, a great one if you want to show like them a series win and not just a game win that the they hosted the Super Regional and beat Louisiana I right. think that year I was I was actually at that that was the, the first Auburn softball series that I went to and that was you know if you want to show them advancing to the College World Series. I think that right. would be another avenue. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would be one I would want to see. Um, and that's just from recent memory. Now, what I was going to say is what I would like ESPN, or uh, what I would like the SEC Network to do, and, and the thing is, I don't know what they have their hands on and what they can't get their hands on, but I, I want to see them do a, a classics uh, takeover. And when I, say, mm. when I say a classics takeover, I mean, I'm not talking about even up to 2010. I'm talking about the 1994 Auburn LSU game, the interception game. I'm yeah, talking yeah. the bow over the top 82 game. I'm talking the 89 Iron Bowl, the first game ever uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, maybe go back to 99 and show one of those basketball games. I was going to ask, is there a that. Barkley basketball game that would Yeah, I don't know. Was it? I mean, the, those Barkley teams were kind of okay, but I mean – I think you would probably be better off showing like one of the 99 games with uh, Porter and Mamadou and that. So, you know, a 99 game there. Uh, you was, know, it, was it 97 that Auburn baseball that, beat Florida State? Yeah, but the only off? thing is I don't know that that was televised. Really? I, th- I feel like I've seen footage, but you're right. I don't know if I, I've I ever seen a full the, game. It, it was like video footage, like a video camera footage from the, the mm. press box. I'm not really sure that that game was televised because, I mean, you can't find video of that really yeah. anywhere. But if that was available, absolutely. Uh, but if you can't find that one, then maybe the broadcast of the uh, the Auburn baseball game against Clemson where Creed Simpson hit the walk-off home run, maybe that one. Um, but, but I'm talking, yeah, I mean, you know, a, a classics takeover where you show pre-2000. Yeah, sure. You know, go, go, back, go back into the, like, the truly classics of, of something. And, you know, and if you're LSU, if you're an LSU fan, show – the 88 earthquake game against Auburn. Uh, if you know, if you're uh, an Alabama fan, you show the uh, the Van Tiffen kick yeah, the Van game, game yeah. against Auburn. I'm, as you know, I'm, that's what I'm talking. Classics, classic classics. So, like you used to have ESPN classics where you could see games from the 1970s and 1980s, and to me, those were so daggum fun to watch. And I love watching them, old Georgia games from the 80s because I was there. Like, I remember watching Kevin Butler kick a 60-yard field goal in 84 to beat Clemson. And that was on national TV. I'd love to go back and see that game on TV again because I was a kid and I was there watching that. And those hold great memories for me. That hold great memory for a lot of the, you know, the 40- and 50-year-old, you know, sports fans that would love to go back and reminisce on those games from, you know, our childhood and to see those back up on TV again. And so I think, you know, the SEC network, network, again, I don't know what they can get their hands on, what they have their hands on, and what they can't get their hands on due to copyright and things like that. But SEC network, if you're listening, (laughs) I I got an idea for you. Remember, we've talked at SEC Media's in the past with programmers from SEC network. This is true. And to be fair, I remember I I was thinking about this earlier, like, the guy that y'all talked to from the SEC Network said that the schools send in the programs that that they play on it for the takeover. You're right. Good memory. Yeah. Because yeah. so. uh, one of the guys we interviewed also ran like uh, did True South and uh, yeah. did, did some of their content right. for that. So yeah, well, I mean, we might see him again this year. And uh, I may have to bring that up. 
It's like, but it is possible. Classics yeah, I mean, yeah. take over. Yeah. Like I mean, because like, look, true classics. Honestly, you have time. I mean, I know that two more teams are getting the league. It's a little longer, but you have time to do one that's the previous year and the classics if you want to. Because oh. yeah. I mean, you've not had anything substantial other than these made-for-TV schedule releases the last couple of weeks. I guess he had College World Series up until a week or two yeah. ago. But so speaking of, uh, we mentioned baseball with the the David Ross home run, and it, it was a Auburn baseball game. I guess that was. I'm sure it was probably the SEC tournament was in a rain delay or or had canceled, and so they were playing uh, old baseball games on on our station. So if you just turn the radio on, you were listening to baseball, but it was that game. So I turned the radio on, and I'm and I was like. That sounds weird. I was like, I, they must be having like a technical problem because like I, I heard Andy Bertram's voice, and I was like, it sounds like maybe they're having like a technical issue because it sounded like they were in a can. It sounded like they were talking into a can, mm-hmm. or like you were listening to AM broadcast on an FM radio, and it was weird. And I was like, what is going on in with their broadcast? And then I started hearing names. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not current. And actually, I just happened to catch the end of that Auburn Florida State game. And that's the first time I've really listened to that broadcast, and I was just so intrigued by it. The other, and, and what's so crazy is part of that thing I didn't know is that that game was almost over because David Ross had a check swing that the announcers thought was strike three, and they called it a ball. And then I think like the next pitch, he hits the home run that that sends him to the World Series. Yeah. But but because I, I I just having to go back, I I think they were like, oh, and that's going to be the oh no, they called it a ball, and it's like oh wow okay, new life, and then boom, David yeah. Ross. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. Uh, you definitely would be bound to just a couple different sports. I'm sure no one would have a yeah. big problem with, but. Um, Certainly, no. <laughs> certainly weren't having a uh, a lot of televised equestrian meets in the in the nineties and that sort of thing. Well, as dominant no. as Auburn is now, in that. But I saw uh, and and man, Auburn's proud of their equestrian. I get it, but I mean, there's there are folks picking on Auburn about that. They're like, oh my gosh, it's like Auburn has been so terrible at sports this year. They're having to show equestrian. Equestrian Auburn equestrian is a freaking dynasty. I know, I know, it's like but what it's, six national yeah, championships? Yeah, it's just I, that it's like I sport know. number like but people, 10 but the people, see, order, yeah. people see that and it's like, oh wow, well, you have such little things to show that you got to dig into the equestrian Auburn basketball people for your Auburn. Auburn takeover. Oh no, I agree. I don't know how many people would have tuned in and watched the equestrian match on there. Yeah, I don't know. I went to two this past year. Yeah, but I don't know that that's really made for TV something but yeah i could be wrong I it, but some some people would watch it that still i don't know would be on the, the top of the list but i tom i really do love the idea that you had about a like a espn classics like bringing that back right i've talked before like my uncle played football at auburn right and right. i i never like he he graduated 10 years before i was born so i never got to watch him play and you know those games don't really exist anywhere but they were televised sure so i you know like be, being able to see Russ Carricker out there on a football field, I think would be pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Well, and I never got to have that experience. Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, another prime example of that, uh, Danny Skutak, who we've had on the show, and you'll hear, you hear him, you know, on our, uh, what do you call those, the, the lead ins? Returns, yeah. Returns. You know, I'm Danny Skutak. Uh, you know, I hang out with Danny all the time at work, 
And one of the things he gets a huge thrill out of is me pulling up videos of games from back in the early 80s that he played in. And he's like, oh, yep, that's me right there. You know, watch this hit. You know, so, I mean, these older players love watching that. And if you had that on TV, I mean, those guys would love the mess out of that. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line now. Joining us on the phone line is Stephen from Auburn. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing awesome. Okay. I, uh, I just wanted to expound on that, uh, that David Roth uh, home run. Yeah. It was, if you remember uh, if you, when you listened to Rod Bramley and it would be the end of the game, his voice would go really low, right? Like, that's going to be the, the ball game, right? Right. Well, in this particular situation, he did that, but it gets better than it wasn't a ball. It was actually a foul tip off his bat that the catcher dropped. That's exactly right. Foul tip and, and the catcher dropped it. Yep. And so he thought it, the game was over because it was strike three, and he goes, oh, no. And so I, I, I couldn't leave that there because I remember I was actually sitting in the parking lot of Plainsman, even though it was being played at Florida State, listening to the end of that game. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 exactly right. I, I I remember watching it or listening to it. You know, like I said, just recently, and I mean, it was game. Oh well, that's the ball game. That's a strikeout. And he's like, oh no, he dropped the ball. And yeah, so that's yeah, how close now, that game was to being over and Auburn losing. And then the very next pitch, I guess, he hits the home run. That's right. That's right. Anyway, I just I heard y'all talking about it, and I yeah. remember that fondly. Well, so, yes, absolutely. Th- thanks for clearing absolutely that appreciate up. the phone call, Stephen. All right. That is uh, Stephen from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the baseball classics for sure. Oh, yeah. um, fortunately, you know Auburn's been again building some some more classic moments here the last uh, few years. But uh, yeah, I think that is certainly one of the moments in in history. Is there like a okay? I said, uh, is there a Barkley basketball game? Is there like a Frank Thomas game to use or? A display from him? Or? If there is, I, I don't ever really remember seeing that. I mean, really, the uh, college baseball games were not heavily televised sure. other, than, other than the College World Series. Because um, now you can go back and watch some classics of the College World Series back when Mark McGuire played in the, in the World Series and Roger Clemens and some of those guys. But, you know, your regular season college baseball games were not televised really at all. And, in fact, I mean, Shoot, before Plainsman Park, the way we know it now was built in 96. I don't even think there were really much in the way of facilities to do a broadcast because, I mean, there's just some metal bleachers and, you know, there's a press box. But, you know, I don't know how much of that actually even got told us. That's why there's not a lot. There's not a lot of footage of Bo Jackson playing baseball. There's very limited, but, I mean, you can tell it's somebody filming from the dugout, uh, and that's few and far between. So, you know, you don't see a lot of video of Frank Thomas playing here at Auburn just because that was the nature of television at the time. And, and also, I mean, even in back back in those days, you would have a lot of your football games that were not televised. I mean, it, you would get some on the t- on TV, but it sure wasn't like it is now, where every game, even the most, you know, the uh, the Division Two game, you're playing the Division Two school or whatever. That one even finds a spot somewhere on the SEC network or plus. You know, back in the day, you know, it, it was nice to even have one on TV. So, yeah, a lot of those things are kind of limited to, to what you're able to find because they just not every one of them was televised like we get today. I'll give you another one if we were going not too far back, but, you know, one of those games that is not an Iron Bowl, it's not a huge rivalry, it's not uh, a championship. 
that I think would have been good to rewatch would be the uh, Auburn West Virginia game that was uh, pouring yeah, down rain. Okay, the rain. Yeah, the rain um, game. That's a great one. That would be a good, good like non-obvious one. If you sure. if you're just like, oh well, we you play the 2013 Iron Bowl every year, and you play the 2010 title game, and with good reason for a lot of those things, but. Just trying to think of like non-obvious, obvious stuff. Well, there, there's two particular Auburn games in Jordan here uh, against Florida. Sure. Uh, the, the 2001 game with Damon Duvall's last second field goal to beat number one Florida, and then it was the one a couple years after that. Uh, Chris Leak was their quarterback, and uh, there was the whole uh, block punt. Trey Smith return. That was that cat, oh, somersault into the end zone for a touchdown. Oh six or oh seven, yeah, maybe one of those two. Um, so I know that Auburn beat Florida two years in a row and they ended up winning the national championship right. in one of those years. But now but now also to go back to what I was talking about, in ninety four, Auburn went to uh or was it ninety is it either ninety no, it was ninety three, I think, went to Florida and and beat them there with a uh, a last second touchdown pass and then it's on because Brent Musburger was on the play by play call of that. I can't remember if that was 93 or 94. I know somebody I can, will probably call and correct me. I can, uh, or I can. It was either 93 or 94. It was in the swamp. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing that was a Patrick Nick, Patrick Nicks to uh, pass into the end zone for a touchdown. Nicks to Sanders. Was that, was that the first Nicks to Sanders? Because I thought there were two. One against Florida and one against Alabama. Or was that the Tillman reverse? So that was against Alabama, and it was in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. So uh, thirty-six, thirty-three in nineteen ninety-four. Ninety-four. Yeah. Ninety-three. Auburn had won at Auburn, thirty-eight, thirty-five. Okay. But it, so the ninety-four. See that game. Well, the ninety-four game. It was. It was part of Auburn's win streak because you remember they went undefeated in ninety-three. And oh they, yeah. And ninety-four. Um, they were still going undefeated, but they they were coming so close. They um, that they. they Kept like almost losing games, and they'd find ways to win them. Uh, just like the LSU game, uh, Auburn was getting beat in that game, and they returned three touchdown or three interceptions for touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh, to win that one. But Florida, they they were down to Florida and and scored right there at the end. But I just remember Brent Musburger's call on that game, um, you know, about these guys never give up and. Uh, but that's another classic that would you know you have access to that would be lovely to play. But so there's the two Florida games here that I can think of. There's that '94 Florida game uh, in Gainesville. The um, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, that West Virginia game was, was a really good one. And uh, I don't. <laughs> okay, here's the basketball or the football version of the basketball one I gave you. Some 08 Auburn Mississippi State. Oh yeah, the, the <laughs> three oh yeah, two, the three, the three two. to two game. Absolutely. <laughs> And Give Auburn, it to me. Auburn was even responsible for their safety right. due to a hold in the end zone. Uh, or a, a little better version of that game was when they stopped Ralph at the goal line and like uh, was eleven. It was it was twelve. No, no oh, I was 12, thinking you're talking about Deshaun Davis tackling Nick Fitzgerald in the last play. No, I didn't. Like, no, not that. Like Mississippi State, because that would have been sixteen, I think. I thought they thumped State in sixteen. They might have. I don't remember it, but. Nick Fitzgerald, like Mississippi State had it on like the four, and Deshaun Davis stopped Nick Fitzgerald on the one on the last play of the game. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not remembering that for some reason. That way, I just remember that there was a Chris Ralph. It was like a 38, 40 point game, something like that. Not like a, a margin, but like yeah. someone uh, the scores were in the 30s, and uh, they almost almost blew it, and then tackled Ralph down at the one. And Ralph was a big boy. And yet he went down like a heap. Like he didn't even <laughs> he didn't fall forward at all. 
with a smaller guy tackling him. Like the one year old. And I thought that was like 2011 ish. Um, because it felt like more more of a Chiswick timetable. But <laughs> I don't know. I was I also on a side, I know both of you guys are uh, looking it up. Tom, do you recall how many straight years Florida and Auburn played? I don't. Because I didn't know it was this great. Obviously, I knew the history. I know some history. I know that it obviously was a big deal. So it stopped being continuous in 2002, okay, in October of 2002. They had played every year since 1945 when that stopped. Every single year, because I'm looking on the website, they've got a game result for every year since 45. They quit playing in 02? Yep. 02 was when the last time they played. They, wow, they played I did not realize yep. that. And then they played 06, 07, then 11, 19, and to be determined yeah. at that point. Any Mississippi State? And Auburn won a I lot of those. Have yes. not found it yet. <laughs> All right, well, I'll join in the search party here yeah. as we're about to go to break for the end of hour number two. But final exercise against Auburn Takeover Day on the SEC Network. So we were giving some thoughts right there on some of the different things that we could have seen in other time periods on the t- on the uh, Takeover Day. Out of time for hour number su- two, excuse me, still uh, or stew. I don't know if you like stew <laughs> this time of year. Uh, seems like more of a cold weather suit. But anyway, uh, out of time for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, a little bit about the Braves and their eight All-Stars. Also a little bit later, a best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brent Dontry with you here on this Monday, right before Independence Day. Again, no show tomorrow. Hope everyone has a great 4th of July. All right, before we get to best and worst of the weekend a little bit later this hour, let's talk the red-hot Atlanta Braves. As they sweep the Miami Marlins, their closest competition, pretty formidable competition, 48-34 and 34 coming into the series against Atlanta. Marlins had been playing good baseball. I think they'd won four or five in a row coming in to the Atlanta series, or at least had had a good last 10-15 game stretch. And then the Braves scored five runs in the first on Friday night. And I think they scored six in the first on Saturday. You'd think I'd remember. I was there. And uh, then won another game on Sunday, a closer game, one that they did actually trail for a little while. And now they have a nine-game lead 
and the division. Before we talk All-Stars with this team, um, how close is this thing to being over? I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to be, make a Mets mistake from last year, but yeah. Braves, I mean, have to be feeling as good as any team in the entire league, obviously. You, you have to be feeling as good as any team, but you also still have an entire half of baseball left to play. Now, it, obviously, it goes without saying, if the Braves keep playing at the level they are, then yes, it's over, but yeah, that's a lot of baseball. Uh, you know, people go into slumps, and I think that's one of the biggest thing that uh, Braves fans are, are, you know, they're very happy right now, but it, you just kind of keep wondering, when is the slide going to happen? Because you have, it, it happens every year. That there is a slump, there is a slide, there, you know, maybe it gets a little uncomfortable, or like the Mets last year, and they just imploded. You really don't see that with this Braves team, because they are just playing at such a high level, but I think most people who have ever watched enough baseball knows that there's probably going to be a little bit of a hiccup somewhere. You just hope it's not in a very long extended hiccup that makes it closer than it needs to be. Yeah, obviously the Braves are incredibly hot right now. They're not going to keep up at this pace, but I think I saw somewhere like if the Braves go 500 the rest of the season, the Marlins would have to be 18 games over 500 to catch the Braves or to make it – I don't, I don't even think they can win the division. I think they would tie for the division lead, and the Braves would still have the tiebreaker in that point. So it, it would have to be a heck of a slide uh, for the Braves right. to, to not win the division. But it, like Tom said, at some point they're going to slow down a little bit. They're going to have a bad week or two. You just hope that's all it is. It's just a week or two. And what my hope is, and I think what the Braves have constructed their roster to do, is if somebody starts slumping, some other players will back them up. It, the The worst fear is that everybody starts slumping at the same time. But I think this roster is so talented, it's built to prevent everybody slumping at the same time. So even though, uh, let, let me pick on Austin Riley here. If Austin Riley goes two weeks where he's hitting just above 200, has maybe one or two home runs rather than uh, three or four, you know, and he's below his average. You know, that doesn't mean that the rest of the team around him is still going to slump. He's still going to contribute defensively, which is what is the expectation for everybody on this team. And while his bat's not doing a lot of work and he's kind of an instant out, you've still got eight other guys in there that are really, really good hitters. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that it is reasonable to expect – it's not reasonable to expect that the Braves are going to win – 20 out of 25 or whatever pace they're on right now. That's that's a ridiculous pace, but I, I think they'll start losing games with a little more regularity, but I still expect them to win more series than not. So they've got 79 games remaining. If they went 39 and 40, which is, as, I mean, you can't can't be exactly 500 at this moment, but if you go 39 and 40, that's still 95 wins yeah. on the season. So a 100-win team is looking, looking probable at this point. Um, the reason that I don't see them having an extended period of time of slumping is because just the lineups is too good. Yeah. It just is. Think the thing about this. Let's do this exercise. Who's the worst hitter in the lineup? Is it Marcel Azuna? And, and he's on a well, he's 13, on 30, 31 home run pace this yeah. year. Yeah, but is it, it Orlando Arcia is hitting three hundred? 
Yeah. I mean, what, from, uh, a power, from a power standpoint, probably. But yeah. I mean, one of the, yeah, now I'm assuming the Azuna's hit streak ended, but didn't he have like a 13 game hit streak? Uh, he, no, I think he got a hit yesterday. So he might be at like yeah, a 14 yeah, it's game 13 hit, or 14 game hit streak. I mean, yeah. and it could be the worst hitter in the lineup. And could be, yeah, the, it could be the worst hitter in the lineup is sitting on a 14 game hit streak. Hitting a 30, a league 30 home average. Run uh, because league average is in the 240s, hitting yeah. right around league average with 30 home run power, might be the worst hitter in the Braves lineup. That's, I mean, that's you talk about a just dumb riches right there. Right. When yeah. your worst guy is a guy that most people would take in a heartbeat right now, is your worst player. Good. That's hey, why I don't see at least a prolonged slump. If you want to give me a week or two, as you guys are saying, sure, that's baseball. That right. They lost the series to the A's. Everyone started to be like, what was that about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and uh, now, again, they have, they have they even lost more than three or four games since then? I mean, no, I, I think they're, they're 16 of the last 17, yeah. something ridiculous. I mean, like they've that. been incredible. So that is what tells me it, it would be a true aligning of the stars because it's also, it's like these guys are not doing something earth shattering. I mean, yes, Acuna's having an MVP year, but I think we've always known MVP potentials there. So, yeah, maybe he doesn't finish 330, but he looks like he's going to hit 35 to 40 homers, hit 300, and steal 70 bases. Uh, you know, sure, Ozzy's power could go away a little bit. Uh, if I'm nitpicking at things, okay, Azuna, I guess, could go back in the 230s or also not hit an alarming rate of home runs. <laughs> but, like, these things are still things that are not, too shocking. Like, okay, the Olsen power bit's the closest thing because he's on like 55 home run pace now. But like, these guys can, Rosario can hit 270 with 25 home runs, and yep. Ozuna can have a 30 home run season a couple times in his career, and Michael Harris can hit hit 260, 270 with some opposite field, field power. You know, Austin Riley can hit 30 home runs, hit 270. He can do more than that, honestly, and probably. So I'm saying like, like, it's just that all these guys are having a good year, but it's not that they're having career years because other than maybe Acuna and maybe Olsen just in the home run department, everyone is doing something that we feel is perfect. They're perfectly capable of. We did above, even with or below expectations on Friday with the Braves lineup. And we didn't have as many aboves as I thought maybe we would have for a team that's so good. And that's because these are good players. Like, Sean Murphy is an all-star caliber player, so the hitting may be a little above, but you expected the defense. You expected at least some part of the hitting to be good because it was pretty good in Oakland. Um, trying to think of somebody else here. You know, Darno's always been a solid hitter for a catcher, always. You know, it's, Most it's people thought he, was, he, didn't, he didn't make the all-star team, but he was listed as a potential all-star. As a DH. As a DH. So that brings us to the all-stars. We want to talk about them for a minute because everything was announced on Sunday. There had been a couple starters announced in previous days, and now we know all the all-star guys. Two pitchers, six hitters, as was alluded to earlier. So the two pitchers being uh, Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider, who despite a little bit of a ballooning ERA for about three-week span there, he's pitched better as a late, and he's a strikeout king. So, I mean, that's that's part of it. A little disappointed that Jesse didn't get in. Yeah. But obviously he's been injured the last couple of weeks, and he is kind of just a middle reliever slash setup guy. And there's that's when some of the spots – go to other guys that are on Moore's teams to get the participation part out of it. But uh, were you were you guys a little su- surprised that Strider made it, or was was the strikeout thing something that you just thought had to be honored, no matter what the ERA was? Uh, I, I'm not going to say I was shocked by it. I 
everybody loves Spencer Strider, like you said. The strikeouts are such a tangible, countable thing. That means you utterly dominated your opponent. Um, and while I think it's a little bit better to be a soft ground ball guy than a strikeout guy, people love strikeouts, man. People absolutely love strikeouts. And as long as is, I would love to see the guys who led Major League Baseball in strikeouts at the All Star break who did not make the All Star game. Like how that how would long be a is good that research list? Project, yeah. It's probably not very long though, right? Like or or you would think. Yeah. So the fact that he has that stat next to his name. Um, and, and even though he did have a bad three or four starts there in a row, uh, it, it seems like he's gotten back on the horse a little bit, and uh, his ERA is back down below four now uh, and steadily declining. So I, I think Spencer's well-deserved and, you know, glad to see him where he is. But this, but this, this stat that I'm sitting here looking at, I mean, it's so shocking about, uh, you know, Soroka got a win the other day, and that was his first win in 1,381 days. Yeah. That's Those cr- are the two season-ending injuries. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, and he he pitched. Uh, he had one bad inning. He hung his breaking ball on Friday a couple mm-hmm. times, and then the other four or five innings he pitched was. No, we're was, talking was, about Strider, great. not Strider. We were talking Strider, but not hey, Soroka's a person too, and yeah. uh, he Strider, was an All-Star Soroka. caliber pitcher yeah. when he was healthy. Strider, Strider Soroka. Right. Tomato, we're talking tomato. about the, we're talking yeah. about the All Stars of the Strider. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I'm, I was looking at this thinking Strider, and I was like. Damn! I was like, he only is his first win in a thousand days. It's like that doesn't sound right. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, he would think, not have been an all star. Yeah. I think he's ten and two on the year now, nine and two, that's, something yeah, like that. It's good record. So the strikeout bit, hundred and fifty five on the year for Strider. There's only one guy that's really kind of close. Kevin Gosman, former Brave, mm. pitches for Toronto's at one forty six. Guess who's third? You you can get this. Is it Charlie? No. You can get this. Though. Is it Elder? No, no, it's not brave. Oh, it's not a brave. Show, get, Shohei, yeah, is it yeah. Shohei? Okay, so pretty bit of a, a bit of a gap. though. one twenty-seven, so he's he's uh, nineteen behind Gosman and twenty-eight behind Strider, and then it kind of gets uh, condensed up. Fourth is Pablo Lopez, former Marlin, who's now a twin at one twenty-six, and Zach Gallen, who's also an All-Star this year, is fifth uh, from Arizona at one twenty. So, again, it's him and Gosman, and then there's a, a sizable gap to the next group there. So that is, I mean, you're right. I mean, the more I think about it, because I was a little surprised at first blush, and that's why I asked it, but when you think about it, like that is one of the three uh, three or four stats we look at most for a pitcher, and uh, he is excelling in it. The hitting, six fielders are all-stars this year. Acuna was top vote-getter in the National League, shocker. He's, yeah. he's the MVP leader for now. Uh, you also had Matt Olson, who's not starting. Freddie Freeman's starting, but... Um, Olsen's on the team. Ozzy Albee's on the team, not starting. Luis Arise, who's at 390, is on the uh, starting. So that one's fair. Orlando Arce is starting. So that's his first time All-Star. Starting over Dansby Swanson. Oh, so I don't think Swanson well, made no, the team, did he? Did they, did he? Well, I, thought he I thought he made it. Did if they, he did, did that's kind of questionable. But Maybe I'm wrong. So now here's my question. Did I see this wrong, that they have Arcia listed as the starting second baseman, not shortstop? Uh, he should be shortstop. Luis Arise is second base from Miami. I, okay, I, 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 you might see a messed up graph. Luis Arise is a second baseman. Okay, I, it may have been a messed up graphic. Because I was like, well, that's weird. I was like, you know, they, they put him at second. I was like, yeah. okay. No, I think Arcia has played second in the past. But no, he. Right. I, I assure you he is shortstop starter. No. Luis Arise of, of Miami is second base. But, so, but let's let's just right. stop on, on him right now okay. for a moment. That was the, going into the 
season, that was that one position that everybody was Braves country was kind of panicked over because man, you, you just you just gave up Dansby Swanson, and there's not really a set guy there. It's like who's it? because it, it was not even going to be uh, him; it was going to be the uh, the young kid. Uh, Ah, the uh, Braden Shoemaker, Von Grissom. Von, Von Grissom. Yep. You know, it might be Von Grissom because he, didn't he start the season at short? And then they sent him back to the minors because he was doing so terrible? Ah, Grissom, I, I thought Arcia won the job. Arcia won the job out of spring training. Arcia got hurt. Arcia got okay, hurt. What, Grissom played for a little while and, and they gave Arcia the job back right. once he got back. But, but, he, but either way, like I'm saying, that, that was out of everywhere – that was the position that everybody was just kind of, I don't want to say panicked over, but I guess there was concern there because yeah, you question. lose such a mainstay in Dansby Swanson that you're just like, oh, man, you know, we really got to figure out who's going to be shortstop for the future. What do we got to do now and maybe look at trade deadline and, and trades and get a sh- true shortstop? Well, congratulations. You have, you have your starting all-star shortstop. I mean, I mean, you talk about just, you know, the riches hitting the right buttons hitting the right buttons at the right time I mean daggone the one position that you were kind of concerned about ends up being a starting all-star spot so we hit on Arcia Olsen uh, all these and so that also leads us to Austin Riley right, yeah. who did make the all-star team uh, despite a year that we were just kind of like just hey. not yeah, yeah. Not, I, I, a, l- a little shocked that he made it honestly but right. I mean good good for him I mean he like we touched on it uh, I think last week, Ryan, you and I, he hasn't been bad, just not kind of up to the expectation. Right. But, I mean, still, like he had two, year, 270 with 30 home run power, that's perfectly fine. Right. He had a year where he hit 300 with the 30 home runs, and so you figure that both tools are in the toolbox, and he's just shy of both of us. He's on, like, 28 home run pace, and he's uh, hitting about, like you said, about 270. So, again, it's not like... You, you, you branch it out to Major League Baseball, and about 95% of the league would take that take that season. Yeah. But it's yeah. just Riley's a part of those top 20, 30 hitters that, that can do both. Uh, and then Sean Murphy at catcher. So really the entire infield so for the Braves. I don't know if anyone put two and two together. The entire yeah, the infield, infield is, is, yeah. on is, the is, team. is on the team and then plus <laughs> in the outfield. And, and Ron That's Washington so had, a couple of, had a couple of quotes about that. This is the first time he's ever coached an entire infield that made it because I mean as you can imagine it doesn't happen very often <laughs> um, but I think Wash called it the most emotional day of his career when, when they found out that all of those guys were going yeah. it just an incredible accomplishment I, I talked about it on the sports report earlier today uh, that you may have heard during, during our hour breaks um, it, first time it's ever happened to Atlanta and most most ever eight is the most that a team has sent since like 2012 I think uh, and it's the most that an Atlanta team's ever sent so really just incredible accomplishment and, and the infield is obviously most of that I don't often think of it this way because the baseball playoffs can get a little tricky and there's a suddenness to it because you play so many games and yet the series are just as long as they are in basketball and hockey with half the games also, given the fact the Braves with an 88 or 89 win team, was that was of all the Braves teams, literally of all of them, except for the, obviously the mid-90s team that won, the 95 team, of all the years, that was the one that got the second title. So playoffs and, and records and that sort of thing, it's, it's tough to have a high expectation for it because it is a kind of a crapshoot. But it feels it would be, di- at this point, 
Uh, and we've got to see the next 70-something games and make sure half the team doesn't get injured or something. <laughs> but if they stay on 100, 105, 110-win pace, anywhere between 100 and 110, it's gonna it's gonna feel disappointing to me if they're not in the World Series. I'm not yeah. going to like no. put my fist down, demand a title, because we've seen a lot of Braves teams over the years win around 100 games and not make the World Series. But coming still recently off a title where there's a lot of players still on this team from that team. Now look, there's some key contributors gone. We know the free, uh, Freeman and Dansby bit, but also guys like Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, etc. Right. But we know still a lot of these guys were on that team. It's not far gone in the, in the past, it would feel disappointing to me if they go and win 105 games this year and don't make the World Series. Yeah. I mean, it just would. And I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think that's the expectation that the team has for itself, too. I mean, we, we talk about how far ahead they are in the NL East, and certainly they are, and that's worthy of recognition. But I, I think this team sees winning the NL East as a step in a much larger goal. Yeah. They, they are not concerned with being better than those four teams they want to win hardware because this is that's what this team is designed to do they are they are the best team in baseball at the all-star break they are the odds on favorite i would imagine to win the world series uh, and that's what they expect of themselves and like you said injuries can happen um and if they do that obviously changes the equation but right now i expect this braves team to compete for a world series that's the other stupid thing is the team that won the whole damn thing had a, like the most important yeah. injury you could have outside of Freeman. They had a Cooney get injured, yeah. and then that's what pick, picked up the pace for him. Yeah, and then and, arguably in the World Series, your starting pitcher broke his leg. And it and it's been better for these National League East teams. It's been better for them just to win the wild card. Yeah, and come on hot teams like Philly last year that won a wild card behind Atlanta's dominance. Obviously, Philly was the one that beat Atlanta in the in the National League playoffs, and I didn't give as, as, as much of a concern to it because, okay, you got the title, you're kind of fat and happy from last year, but it's like you lost to the, the wild card team from your same division. I think I'm pretty confident when the Nats won the title about four or five years ago now, that was a wild card team too. I think it was. Uh, it's, yeah, because the Braves won, won the NL right, East that year. It, so it's a popular thing. I know the Braves were the NL East uh, title winners at 88 and 71 or or 73, excuse me, or, or whatever it was. I think they ended up playing 161 that year for whatever reason. I don't remember why. Uh, so I know they technically they did win, but obviously it was like the least impressive record-wise that division winners usually have. Usually division winners are 90-plus. So it's just kind of odd. It, it's kind of odd that the, the best teams uh, in the regular season for the longest periods of time, look, again, it's the sudden nature of a sport with so many random outcomes. Look, if you had a three out of five this year, Oakland be up two games to one on the Braves. Yep. Well, how uncomfortable would that be? You know, obviously no, not everyone gets in the playoffs, and there's a lot of reasons why that wouldn't have been the playoff matchup because they're not even the same league. But I'm just saying, like, in, in a three-game sample size, which would have been most of the first round, Braves would be trailing two to one to the worst team in baseball, and it would be very uncomfortable. So, again, that that is kind of like – why I've always envisioned the MLB playoffs is just kind of a crapshoot, and I don't even care for the commentary of do the best you win. No, probably not. I don't know. The hottest team won. <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, but there's really no way to if you're going to have a series, unless you dumbed it down into an incredibly small amount of teams, uh, then 
like like the pennant like used to be where it was just the American League and National League champion. Uh, unless you're doing that, then you're you're gonna you're bound to get some randomness. Yeah. Well, when you start looking for it, I'm just gonna be kind of curious to see what happens uh, starting July the seventh. Uh, is there something going on July 7th I should know about? Or? Atlanta Braves at the Tampa Bay Rays. Ah. Ah. July 8th. Braves. I always joke about whenever there's any reason to go to Tampa, I should just go ahead and go to Tampa. Yeah. So should, I, should you send me to that series, Tom? Should I go over there? Absolutely, you should. Sure. Yeah, the Trop. So, yeah, you got a three-game series at the Trop. Braves versus the Rays, July the 7th, 8th, and 9th. So that's the two best teams in baseball going head-to-head. That could yeah. be interesting. Now, if the Braves go in there and sweep that, then it's like, okay, they, this this is something. This is a monster. This yeah. is a monster that you just, I don't know that you can control. It's, but, I mean, you got to get, Cleveland's playing decent. Cleveland's around 500. They they and the Twins are right. kind of swapping AL Central League. So you, got three, you got three at Cleveland and three at Tampa before you get to the break. Yep. Two American League teams. Two yeah. teams usually wouldn't play both because they're not from the same division. You yep. play one or the other. But uh, that's how when you play them all. And look, Braves had their worst series of the year against the American League team. So let's see how they do with teams they're not yeah. used to. Uh, out of time for this segment. When we come back, best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Monday. You going hot dogs or hamburgers tomorrow? Anything anything special? Steak. There you go. And nice. potatoes. There nice. you go. <laughs> I went and bought them today. You said that so calmly. Just... Well, and, and it was weird. I, I thought about it, and I was trying to figure out what we wanted to do tomorrow. I know uh, Michelle and myself, we're going to go watch the fireworks over uh, around Duck Sanford. Um, we do that. Uh, typically every July 4th I go home to Columbus and we have a big family dinner because uh, tomorrow's my dad's birthday so uh, shout out to Tom Peavy Sr. Happy birthday tomorrow. Um, we normally have a big outing there but because I'm leaving to go on vacation and my sister's also going to be leaving and there's just a lot of kind of just a lot of moving parts to try to get everybody together uh, for one day we decided we're going to delay that uh, and have a family get together later on but um yeah, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do tomorrow, and all of a sudden, I, and it's like, yeah, he's like, you know what, steak and baked potatoes sounds good. I mean, fire up the grill on July the 4th and do that. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Anytime you get, and then something, something you can eat then and there and be done with it and not have leftovers that you got to deal with since you're going out of town the next day. Oh, you're not going to pound eight hot dogs out of that pack at one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, no, that's the uh, no. steak baked potato, steak baked potato. That is a part of my best and worst for the weekend. Oh, it I, is that time there. of the show. It's time for best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No, no, no! Of the weekend. I want to save the best for last this time because I might uh, might go a while on that. So, uh, so worst of the weekend. What we got? I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I don't know how much you you two scroll Twitter or how much of our listening audience is on is on the tweeter. Um, I'm on Twitter often. I've described myself as chronically online. I am a poster. I enjoy the Twitter. It is how I connect with a lot of people that I've met since I moved over here. Um, Elon Musk bought Twitter uh, a couple of months ago. And since then, the, the site has just been gradually falling apart. It worked perfectly fine. He bought it, and now it's not working anymore. Um, and, and the latest in that string of it not working anymore is he has now instituted a limit. <clears throat> he has now instituted a limit on um, how many posts certain accounts can see in a day. And I think for older unverified accounts, which is what describes me, it's about 600 tweets, which is a solid amount. But you know, you're, if you're on Twitter as much as I am, you're going to scroll through that far before your day is over. Um, and there are some people that are seeing like 300 which is a solid 20 minutes of scrolling on Twitter in a day. So my worst is going to be the fact that uh, Elon Musk has put a limit on how often, on how much you can use the service that he spent billions of dollars on. It is on. temporary. It is temporary, uh, or he says it's temporary, but he has not said what temporary means. Like, is it a couple of days? Is it weeks? Is it months? Is it the remainder of this year? Uh, he has not described that. So until he does... I'm assuming that it's just going to stay there. <laughs> I, 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 one uh, person in particular that, I, that talked about how devastating it could be to their profession was James Spann, and he talked about how much meteorologists use Twitter as their way of reaching the public, and especially yeah. when severe weather happens, it's giving constant updates, and, and they use Twitter to alert people to, hey, you're in danger and you need to take shelter. Well, if you put a limit on them to where all of a sudden you can't you can't, see, you can't see what they're tweeting. Then, then they, they can't alert people to yeah. dangerous situations. So there is an actual danger aspect to that that, uh, that hurts the meteorology areas. Yeah. It's, um, it's not good. It's not smart. It's not good. Now, and and it's, he's doing it to solve the problem of data scraping, which I'm not smart enough to even pretend I kind of understand. Uh, but I, I've been you know, doing a little research, it does seem like it's a real issue. It needs to be fixed. But doing it this way, someone described it as there's a mosquito in your house, so you blow it up with a bomb. Like, you probably got the mosquito, but you've also destroyed the house that you live in. You know, it's just a very aggressive way to attack this problem. All right. Uh, that's, a, that's a great analogy. I mean, I... I don't know anything about it, but if that's even remotely close to true, that's hilarious. But I believe it. What's up, Tom? What's your worst? Worst? Oh man, I, I don't. There's not really a big worst, but I, I think it's. I'll, I'll say it's a worst that 
we, we talk so much about the Braves, but it, there's people that are, they're doing so good that now there's people that are trying to accuse the Braves of cheating. Right. And it's, it's silly. I mean, there's obviously no proof, but I mean, it's, the Braves are just playing at such a high level. It's such a, something must be going at on. A red, just an absolutely historic, ridiculous click that they're playing at right now. There's people that are now looking around. Like, something must be up. And I think it was some Marlins fans tried to point out something about somebody was screaming and it was like the way they were screaming was trying to tip off pitches and everything. It's like, I mean, come on. You're getting your butts beaten now. You're just trying to come up with stuff. So yeah, I, such a minor worse. It means well, the Marlins are, are have only been good twice in their entire True. existence. So <laughs> yeah. they're they're not used to seeing that very frequently, and I, I they'll be okay. If I was a Mets fan, my definite worst would be their month of June. Because like we mentioned, the, the beginning of June they were three they were three games behind the Braves to start June. To start July, they're eighteen behind. Poor Frank the Tank from uh, Barstool. Oh, no, he'll get over it. He is that that poor guy is going to have a massive coronary on camera. Didn't he like Watching rip it, rip his shirt he apart? He rips his shirt completely off. Incredibly performative, but also kind of concerning. Yeah, yeah he's like on a, He's got to be like a spectrum. He's got to be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, Mets no fans, no comment. Are not oh, yeah. the best. It's he okay. eats his glasses. He did. He did absolutely destroy his glasses. He he has destroyed hundreds of pair of glasses because he bites them in half basically and rips his shirt. But then he just like starts talking and speaking in tongue like you can't understand him. It's like he's having a bad religious experience over the New York Mets. Sounds about right. I was about to say you could argue that's kind of kind of a. But he can't be helping you. That that guy's like the guy. I think he's like forty nine years old and he weighs like four hundred pounds. And it's like he's a big boy. And Frank the Tank. Yeah, that can't be healthy for him. No, of course not. Goodness gracious, poor guy. I'm telling you, Mets are going to send him to a grave. Uh, Yeah, and possibly on camera because he films everything. (laughs) He does. Mine for Barstool, man. My uh, my worst is. I'll explain it for a second because it's not what it sounds like on the surface is the NASCAR street race in Chicago and the events that had such a calamity trying to happen over the weekend. Um, they were able to get most of everything in on the racing side, although they had to cut the, the Xfinity series in half and didn't get to finish that race. They had to shorten the cup race last night and just have to start it late. But I hate that for the actual in-person experience was so difficult for those people because we just I just saw the ratings. This is the highest rated NBC race in six years. Yeah. Mm. This is this this did incredible. <laughs> They're gonna do this again. But for the people there, it was a very rough experience. They had flash flood warnings for that area. They had to cancel multiple concerts, including the Chainsmokers, and I think maybe Miranda Lambert or something like that. They canceled three or four acts that they had for, for concerts around because they were trying to make it like a little bit of a music festival on top of the racing. Mm-hmm. So my worst was just that they had zero weather luck this yeah. weekend. They all, If this was five years ago when NASCAR didn't use wet tires, they wouldn't have raced. Well, yeah. you know, they wouldn't, wouldn't have raced at all, but it, they were able to still run it Sunday just a little bit later in the evening. 
Uh, but I, I just hate that the weather aspect of it made it nasty. Yeah, made it so challenging. Credit the NASCAR for getting it done. Yeah. But they had some other stuff scheduled to go on that couldn't because of the lightning, because of the several inches of yeah. rain they had in a, in a 48 hour span. They, they talked about it uh, at the beginning of the broadcast yesterday about a, a historic. Yeah, historic rain moment that they uh, they broke records for like how much rain they got in a certain hour period you know period of hours in yeah. the day like broke records for rain I mean that's how much it was raining I even pulled it up and looked on the uh, radar and it was really weird it almost looked like a hurricane uh, over Lake Michigan that was spinning yeah it was swirling. like it, it was like swirling um, was it, I guess I guess it was going counterclockwise but it just because of the way it looked over the it actually looked like a hurricane yeah uh, just bringing in system. that uh, rain off of Lake Michigan and it just delusion Chicago <laughs> it's like it was oh rough. my gosh it's like that it, I didn't think they'd get the race in at all because it just looked like it was not gonna stop yeah but uh fortunately they got it in and it was an awesome event it was really weird seeing those NASCARs with windshield wipers and brake lights and they well they they almost sounded like they were electric cars they they didn't have didn't sound like they had that normal rumble and roar of a nascar they almost had a i don't know just sounded like i don't know at least they, the tv i was listening to it sounded different is that your first race you listened to this year i'm just curious first one that you've listened to? maybe because that they sounded normal to me this is the new car that's the second year they run it. And they do run at road courses because they can run wet tires. Right. They do run the run the windshield wiper and the light if it's raining. They don't put right. the light on or anything if it's not raining. But it it's became most evident, obviously, because the first part of that race was so wet, they were all using that stuff. But yeah. they've had those two components. And then really? sound-wise. See, that's yeah, the first yeah. time. That's the just f- for road courses. Yeah, just yeah, well, for tracks yeah. that they can run the wet tires at. See, and I guess I, that's the first time. That's the first time I've ever actually paid attention. Maybe because I just don't watch NASCAR when they do the road courses. I, I watch Daytona and Talladega and Bristol. You know, yeah. I watch those road courses like Pocono and some of those others. I'm like, eh, don't care. This I wanted to watch because like this is cool. It's downtown Chicago. It's street racing. I mean, this is like something you see Formula One or Indy do. I mean, it's, right. this is neat. So I was watching. It's like, oh wow, they have rain tires and windshield wipers and flashing yeah. lights on the back of their cars, like the F1, and I'm like, ah, that's neat. But then I was listening. I was like, they sound like they're electric cars. It just didn't have that same roar. Maybe it was because they were going so slow in certain turns. Maybe because they they got up to one sixty down that one uh, Roosevelt right. Avenue or whatever, whichever one it was. It uh, had more of but, a sound of an just from what I was watching. I also wasn't right up on the TV. Yeah. I know what NASCAR sounds like on a super speedway and things like that. These sounded more like an Indy car. Right. But it's yeah, just no, kind of what it sounded they like. They sounded sound normal to me. But, okay. Um, also, I, and I have been to a race since the new car, too. And right. It's, it's loud. It, it ain't loud. <laughs> it's a good old gas-powered promise. All right. Best of the weekend. Brent, what you got? Uh, as long as the Braves keep winning, I'm going to keep saying the Braves. Uh, they're just absolutely on a tear. Um, and, you know, sweeping the team that's in second place uh, in your division is always going to be a good thing. Amen. I, I'm, I'm going with the Braves, too. And I mean, the weekend was the weekend because it capped off what was just a, an historic month. The Braves for the month of June, 21-4. and four. That's insane. 21-4. and four. Uh, an offense that averaged seven runs per game, and this is uh, from the Atlanta Journal. Even in the games where they did not hit that total, the Braves were ten and three. 
Yeah. So even when they're not scoring seven runs, they're still ten and three. Twenty-one and four for the month. Just uh, sixty-one home runs. Isn't that what it was? Sixty-one for the Braves. Yeah. yeah. Gnarly. Just absolutely ridiculous. Almost throw I me. Mean, that's almost. Uh, I should say. Yeah. No, it's. 61 home runs in 25 games. Two and a half homers a game, basically. And and then the other cool thing, I mean, really over the weekend, I mean, I've been seeing it. Out of these home runs, it's not, at least here lately, they've all been like two-run homers, it seems like. It's like every time you turn around, they're hitting a two-run homer is what it felt like. So it's not like a solo shot. Here and there, I mean, they're they're actually scoring doing multiple. Damage. They're doing damage with multiple uh, runs scored on home runs. So absolutely, just I mean, absolute crazy tear that they've been on this month. I just hope they can keep it up. All right, my best of the weekend. It does involve the Braves in a way because it, it's my entire Saturday essentially. Me and a couple guys went up to Truist Park in Atlanta, and we sat 300 level, which is the first time I sat in a 300 level. It was just about one and a half section, two section to the side of the broadcast booth that uh, Brandon Godden and Jeff Frank were broadcast out of. So it was pretty close to the plate. And I'm telling you what, I've now become a believer in, even though it's high up, sitting in the three or four hundreds, if it's kind of near the plate, the perspective of the game is way better because you always see the ball come in and go out. When you're out in the outfield, sometimes you don't see it right off the bat. And sometimes you lose it for a moment, depending on where it is. Or also, if you're in the 100 level uh, of truest, but you're kind of underneath the the overhang of the one of the uh, the second deck coming up above you, you can lose a fly ball in the air because it, it, it'll, it'll be blocked by the seats above you. But the the high uh, the higher levels, though, near home plate, you get a good perspective of everything and. All day, only a couple ball strike calls surprised me. So you got a pretty good perspective of that. So I enjoyed that. But it's not why this was best of the weekend. I had a meal Saturday night. <laughs> I love food. So we, excited we, about this. I, li- I like food. You guys like food. Very That's much why we that. have that incorporated sometimes in Wacky Wednesday. At Fogo de Chow mm. in Atlanta. That was that was what I... Fogo de Chow. Yeah, that's... Fogo, Fogo yeah. de Chow. So good. Um... For those that don't know what that is, maybe you're familiar with Texas A, Brazil, and Birmingham, or maybe that was all not English to you. I don't know. But it's a Brazilian steakhouse that continually brings around courses of meat. Um, and it's a, a, it's a fairly high price for dinner. I'm not going to go around and pay $60 for dinner every single night. <laughs> Or every, or in a day for food, or in multiple days for food, but um, you pay this pretty high rate. I think it's six, it was sixty at Fogo de Chao. I think it's fifty at Texas State Brazil in Birmingham. And again, it's unlimited meat. They just keep coming around. They have fourteen, fifteen, sixteen different kinds of meat. And we went. We had like an eight for eight thirty reservation. Boy, did we need a reservation. <laughs> there were about fifteen groups waiting. And we jumped at least 10 or 11 of them once we got there. Really well done place. My goodness. So I didn't have lunch that day. (laughs) I was preparing for an experience. Of the 16 kinds of meat, I believe I counted I had 14 of them. And I had some of them twice. So rough math, I had at least 30, but probably closer to like 40 ounces of meat. 
Uh, <laughs> may, uh, maybe even a little more than that. Maybe, I was just saying they're all maybe like two ounce slices. Maybe some of them were three or four ounces. Bacon wrapped chicken, bacon wrapped steak, top sirloin, uh, filet mignon, lamb. Guys, lamb. So good. Very good. Sorry, Peta. Lamb's really good. Lamb is delicious. L- lamb kind of tastes like filet mignon, mm-hmm. honestly. Oh. Didn't know that. Did not know that. Uh, had pork ribs. Had uh, chimichurri uh, pork, I believe. Um, and had a couple more that I'm forgetting, like a special sirloin. Uh, I think they had flank steak, which is still good. Because mo- how they do it, they kind of have, I think what we figured out is the higher up on the rack they've got it, that's like medium rare. And then the further down you go, it's like cooked more. Right. Most of it, I was able to get the medium rare cut, which is my pref- uh, preference. But I was just like, oh, this is weird. Because like, how do they know what everyone's going to want? And Because like, some people just cannot do medium rare meat. Like, just can't do it. Uh, but some people are like... Well, well has no flavor and it's not juicy and, and that sort of thing. And and I like medium rare, uh, and I can certainly do medium. So I was pleased of like most of the meat I got with medium rare. We just went in unbelievable size, by the way, too. They have this huge salad uh, table kind of in the middle with some of the best Caesar salad, all the deli meats you can think of. Uh, watermelon, a bunch of different fruits, mango, stuff, stuff like that. My goodness, man. I've, I don't know if I've ever had that much food in one sitting, but that is like a bucket list food item. All you can eat meat? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very much yes. And uh, that's a strong best. They've already, they've already tried to entice me again. Because because you because I did the reservation that put me in the Fogo de Chow Club, mm. I say in air quotes, so now I've got a free dessert by August 1st. <laughs> Kind of need to go back up there by August 1st. Need another Braves game. Need another Braves game, That's what I'm thinking. So that was by far my best, one of the best food experiences I've ever had. And um, I think I'm moving my birthday dinner location. There you go, man. (laughs) Look, I I love Fogo de Chao. And the reason I found out what Fogo de Chao is, is in the summer of 2016 and 17, I I went to Brazil. So I've actually been to Brazil and our, the first meal with the group that I went with every time they go to Brazil is they go to a Brazilian steakhouse. Yes. Of, oh. course, of course, over there, it's just a steakhouse. What a group. Um, so they're all like that, Brazil? Yeah. <laughs> or or they, there are particular or restaurants, and yeah. it is a type of restaurant that they have over there. And it's literally, if you've never been, they give you some kind of indicator. It's usually like a little turnstile on your table. Yes, or we a had little, like a little circular a little thing, coaster green thing. and red. Yeah. yeah, green on one side, red on the other. Yep. If the red's up, it means no thank you. If the green's up, put it on my plate. Yep. It's so good. What I will never forget is in Brazil, one of the meats that they brought around to us was fried chicken heart. Mm, yeah. Oh, have I, you? Did you? Did you? No, I can't remember if Fogo has that or not. I, I thought Fogo did have that. Fried chicken heart. Or grilled, yeah. grilled chicken or heart. Grilled, maybe. Yeah, I don't like know. Grilled chicken it heart. It was not explained to me but that way if it is, but I don't. I did not. It's, it's very good. recognizable as a heart. And uh, okay. yeah, no, I, I ate a not. chicken heart in Brazil. And it's that was very good. You that it? was a formative experience for me. It was <laughs> decent. I will not eat it again, but it was okay. Nothing like the heart of a chicken. Uh, I've had it before. It's really good. Again, I. Huh. It tastes like the texture. That's weird. Yeah. I liked everything I had. I would have been down for that because, look, it's only. Three to five bites. Yeah. Usually I, oh, portions. not even. Yeah. You can yeah. eat a chicken heart in one bite. Okay, sure. But just what they're passing around to you, the, yeah. the portion size you get, three to five bites for most of it. They did have kind of pieces of bacon wrap 
again, chicken and, and steak. That was maybe a f- couple, maybe five to seven mm-hmm. bites instead. But uh, man, oh man, there's I, a, oh, food's there's, not going to taste the same again. Yeah, absolutely, it's fantastic. Uh, next time you're there, there's a Brazilian soda that Fogo carries. It's called uh, Guaraná. 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 It's spelled okay. with an R, pronounced like a D. That's how that's how okay. Portuguese pronounces ours is like D's. Guaraná. Very, very good soda. It's based on, uh, I'm trying to remember what they make it out of, and I can't, but it's like a cherry-flavored thing. Mm. It looks, I'll show you a picture of it. I don't want to sure. describe what it looks like, Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's it's very tasty. One last thing. Thank you for talking about the, the beverage. One last kind of unique thing they did. They brought you bottled Cokes and stuff and yeah. poured it for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it was no fountain. Which fountain's fine, but everyone kind of loves a bottle. And it was these glass bottle Cokes. One of my friends got Diet Coke, one got Sprite, and they brought in the bottles and poured it for you. And I was just like, that's a nice little touch. That's also why the drink was $4 for, for, for something instead of two. But, uh, man, it was an incredible dining experience. I, we're out of time. I've gone over. Uh, nightly TV guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nightly TV Guide, Braves and Guardians, 610, Valley Sports South, Deadpool 2, 630 on FX, NBA Summer League tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN, and both Independence Days. The sequel starts first at 659 on Sci-Fi. Just skip that. Go to the original, 828 on Stars Encore. Yes, I finally got it right, Brooks. I've, I've read I've, that's S-T-Z-E and Stars Encore. Yay for me. That is Sports Call Sunday TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brant, thank you for being here. Sir, we'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. And Tom, thank you for being here. Have a great beach trip and we'll see you next week. I will be back next Monday and uh, happy 4th of July to everybody out there. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Ready to get to the beach, babe. And again, appreciate everyone for tuning in and calling in today. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night. Have a great Independence Day, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.